does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. A minute to go in the overtime. The clock now, the Pacers' friend. Indiana leading by eight. Sam Hart will give to Halliburton. Halliburton working the bounce left side, outside the arc, working the dribble, going nowhere. Here it comes. Three ball. Final, Indiana 134, Houston 125 in overtime. Show me the money! That's right, babe. I just bought this truck straight cash. And I got enough cigarettes to last me and my family for the rest of our lives. I'm rich, bitch. Pay that man his money. Oh, uh, Mark Dykton. As always, he's on it. You know, some, yeah, at some point in my life, I'll look back on, you know, probably a handful of dates. I'll look back on. June 12, 2008, fortunate to win a state championship. You know, February 16th, 2019, married. June 12, 2020, the birth of Rosie. September 9th, last year, the birth of Max. But man, March 9th, 2023. That's going to be right up there with all of them. <laughs> right up there with all of them. Two of those was a lot of money going out. This one's a lot of money coming in. Well, sure. That is, um, yeah, a lot. A lot of money going out. But, um, boy, Mark, you were right. You had to earn it. Yep. You had to earn it. Mm-hmm. It was not uh, the cleanest of closes. Oh, by the way, I did I did bring bring some parting gifts. Let, oh. me, let me go grab those. You're re-gifting the Party beer we gifts. gave you? Got some, got some gifts to celebrate, okay? <laughs> For those that are unaware, Kevin, at the beginning of the year, had made a wager on the over-under for number of wins on the Pacers season. It was prognosticated fairly early that this was going to be like a 23-59 and 59 year for the Pacers or 25-67, and 67, somewhere in there. The Pacers themselves had even kind of given warning of that. So Kevin said, you know what? I took the over-under at 30. And we are like, you boy, I don't know. 30 games is a lot. And last night, the Pacers in overtime over the lowly Houston Rockets, but... Regardless of position, rank, or accomplishment in the NBA, they all count the same. So it is, in fact, win number three zero, number 30. And Kevin has not only cashed in, but he has brought in a portion of his winnings. Yeah, uh-huh. The early, you know, what do you do? Do you buy mom a house? Do you buy mom a car? You know, what's the first spend? I go to Long's Donuts. Oh, man. The line was out the door at Long's this morning, <laughs> uh-huh. folks. We've got a dozen, Jake Query. Oh man, you cannot go. Good wrong. morning. Can't go, and they're warm too. Mark Dykton. Thank you, sir. Very Good kind morning. of you. Is it just us in the building? I would assume so. Copeland. Copeland's here. Thank you. Copeland's here. Man. Sean Copeland will be getting a donut during the break, and myself. And you know what? I don't do this often. I have no off switch with these. Is the problem? I don't do this often, and part of it is in celebration. But you know what? I gotta take a nap at seven twenty. When Benedict Matherin got carried off the floor last night, there was a little bit of like I felt like I was felt like I was getting married and I just ripped my pants on my wedding day. <laughs> you know, you just couldn't fully appreciate it. So You said ripped your pants? Ripped, correct. Um part celebration, part sorrow. I do think I'm gonna crack a PBR here. 
Oh, wow. All there right. There you go. Hey, yeah. Did you bring one? Yes. Here we go. Yes. Courtesy of Jake Query. It's a PBR party. 16-ouncer to start, <laughs> 703 in the morning. Hell yeah. Cheers, gentlemen. <laughs> Congratulations. Heck yeah. We're rolling now. You it's that kind of responsibility we want at the PBR party when that does, in fact, happen. Yeah. Cracking beers at 704. It's the last time you've had beer my, and a donut at 703 my, in the morning. My blood gluco- <laughs> glucose and your blood <laughs> BAC... It's like, yeah. uh, this is like the Reels Network on here, right? Yeah. Dr. Mottman frantically calling in right now. Don't say, do that! I was a little nervous about Mottman. Can we just kind of not text him today, Jake, maybe? Sure. Mottman doesn't listen to this program. He doesn't even know what I do for a living. Oh my God, these are so good. They are amazing. You should have seen the line. Oh. I got there and I'm like, am I going to make it in time? But they were efficient. Uh, boy, Friday, donut day. What time does Long's open? 5.30. I looked at it last night. Gosh, that PBR is crisp. Yeah, of course. How great I've been is the sitting can. in your car the whole time. Boy, these are ice cold. If you guys would like a PBR, I'm not going uh, <laughs> to you know, s- say no either. I know. Let's see how Jake goes this first hour, and I'll let you know. Okay. Yeah. Well, Mark, my, Mark and I might be shotgunning some PBRs here coming up in the oh, 830 yeah. segment. Uh, yes, thank you to the Pacers last night. It was not the cleanest of closes, as we said, uh, but they got it done in overtime, and we've mentioned this now. I think several times in recent weeks, and Jake, I honestly think it was something that Reggie Miller pointed to at Tyrese Halliburton a few days ago. The Pacers have a closer. The Pacers have a closer. He is Tyrese Halliburton. He had 12 points in overtime. He assisted early in overtime, and uh, I probably owe him a PBR and a long stone it. Uh, hey. hey, Jake, please tell Kevin that this is blanking awesome. There is nothing wrong with cracking a tall boy at 7 a.m. <laughs> Man, you guys are wild. Tell Kevin I said congrats. That from uh, Kansas City Steve. Let's go. You know, I think the last time I had a cold beverage like this at this hour it was probably Carb Day. So I guess in a way we are doing yeah. Carb Day, right? It is. Well, yeah. <laughs> Actually, now that I think about it, the last time I think I did this was, boy, I just had a rough, rough, you know, first two hours with you at the Pacers golf outing. I remember that. Mark, you okay over there? God, Mark. Jeez, do you need the PBR? Do we need to restart the whole program? Man. By the way, this from... uh, Too much sugar went down the wrong throat. Chiefs Chiefs fan Steve. (laughs) My buddy uh, Steve, the Chiefs fan, has the the coolest rescue dog on the planet, little Milton. Um, Milton a little under the weather, and if you are those that ask to the higher being for the health and prosperity of our four-legged friends... Uh, Milton could certainly use some proper thoughts. Well, cheers to Milton. Milton is the best. Um, <coughs> God, so Mark, Mark so, I'm dying here. So let me reset the table for everybody here. Good morning to you. It is a Friday, as if you couldn't tell. My name is Jake Query. I am alongside the choking Mark Dykton, and uh, I am alongside Kevin Bowen, whose team, the Pacers, did not choke last like night, and oh. as a result... Mark's going to cure his choking with a 16-ounce PBR. If there's a cure-all, it's got to be PBR, right? What are we doing here? It's like Notre Dame basketball trying to finish a game this year. If anybody ever wanted to know what a a radio program would sound like with just me, uh, you might be finding out by about 8 o'clock. I might need to serve beer to all of our listeners then. (laughs) I'm cured! Mark is into the PBR. What did you do? Mark hasn't even taken off his jacket yet. (laughs) I haven't. No, I was I was eating a donut and I just went down the wrong pipe. Wrong pipe. Okay, there so we go. So you inhaled it, is what you're getting yeah. at. Okay. 
Any of you know the Heimlich? I might need you later. <laughs> well, God, wow. that's a hell of a way to start. But we might need Mottman today. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I don't know if he's on call or not. Uh, last night, by the way, in college basketball, things setting up now officially for the matchups for Purdue and Indiana. Rutgers over Michigan 62-50. Was that the knockout blow for Michigan's NCAA hopes? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I think Wisconsin got the knockout blow Wednesday night. I think Michigan got it last night. You look at Rutgers today, Jake, again, Purdue at noon. Does Rutgers have the Indiana-type resume from last year? Remember Indiana in the 8-9 game. Right. They come back and beat Michigan. And I think a lot of people thought Indiana was in with that win. But then you get to Selection Sunday. And you find out, yeah. They, they were one of the last four in. Right. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they were just one of the last couple in when they looked at kind of the overall you know, S-curve or whatever they call it. Uh, but they obviously beat Illinois in the Friday matchup last season. That's what Rutgers will be trying to do to Purdue today. And, of course, Rutgers won at Mackey earlier this year. Granted, that was you know two months ago. Uh, if you think back on that game, it was just... It was kind of typical Rutgers. They muck it up, and um, you know they're not a team that shoots it well. And that was a game where Zach Eady only played 28 minutes, which for Zach Eady that is very much on the low side. The freshman guards for Purdue struggled, three of nine from the floor, five turnovers. So that will be at noon today. Purdue around a five point favorite, and then Jake. Sorry, I just had a beer burp. <laughs> Mark, are you better? I I'm better. Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm not seeing the light anymore. It's a crisp taste, isn't it? It is. It's very good. It's refreshing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the can is always just so beautiful. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's of a blue ribbon. It's the it's first place. Uh, it's put J- the PBR party in motion now. That's yeah. right. It has to certainly, happen now. Certainly. Uh, IU fans might want to inject some coffee today. What time did Maryland, Minnesota get over last night? Boy, you're not kidding. Maryland and Indiana, 9 o'clock tip tonight. And that's approximate, you, you to You got time clear. to drive up there and go to the game, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good Jimmy just texted me. Said that they're on their way. Really? Yeah. So well, shout said, out to Good Jimmy. <laughs> they got plenty of time to count the windmills. Safe trap. Oh, they could have they could have breakfast and lunch at Fair Oaks Farm. That's right. That would be fun. I mean, to go up. It's funny because I think you mentioned yesterday, Kevin. Uh, and by the way, Greg Gregstra are going to join us at eight o'clock this morning. Tom Deanhart at eight thirty. Uh, Jordan Cornette talk a little college basketball at nine. Paul Corsaro will join us. They got a lot going on down on the south side at nine forty-five. Uh, Kevin, I think. You mentioned this yesterday. I feel like now that the Big Ten tournament, it's not the first time the Big Ten tournament's been in Chicago, clearly, but when it's not here in town is when I realized that I think I kind of took for granted when it was. You know, just yeah. walking around downtown and seeing a group of Minnesota fans or Maryland fans mm-hmm. or, you know, saying hi to some people from Iowa or whatever. And just knowing that that was always kind of, there was something kind of going on downtown. You could come down and, you know, we would always, every year, you know, I'd say to Shannon, like, what do you want to do tonight? Oh, let's just go down and just kind of, you know, observe the atmosphere downtown. Yeah, with the Watch tournament. the Iowa people just do keg stands. <laughs> yeah, but although the you Iowa do people, kind of miss it, right? Iowa people in mourning maybe a little bit after yesterday. Is Ohio State about to do something? That, Is Chris Holtman saving his job? I don't think his job was in jeopardy, right? But well, Wait till Notre Dame comes calling. Well, fair. Uh, that's the question on Ohio State, right? I mean, they're going to need there, – there are always years, though, Kevin, where whether it be the Big Ten or the Big 12, you know, one of the leagues, some team that is sub-500 gets red hot, 
Yeah, wins two, wins three, maybe. Makes a blitz through and becomes the story of their conference tournament, which puts them over 500. Now, all of a sudden, a team that was, you know, 15 and 18 entering the conference tournament is 19 and 18 in the conference tournament championship. And people are like, whoa, did they just play their way in? More often than not, they did not. Uh, Purdue Rutgers at noon, Michigan State, Ohio State to follow. Those are the afternoon, that's the afternoon session up there at the United Center. Northwestern Illinois is the early evening game. Every time I see Northwestern Illinois, I just think, oh man, it's 38 degrees and it's a noon kickoff in November. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think basketball. But that's a basketball game. Or excuse me, uh, n- n- I, I said Illinois. I, I meant Penn State. Penn well, State. Penn, yeah. The Micah Shrewsbury. I'm thinking to myself, gosh, does that hurt Notre Dame's chances to pursue Micah Shrewsbury? I heard yesterday that Micah Shrewsbury apparently is really happy in... Happy um, Valley? Very happy in Happy Valley, yes. We've had six Big Ten games so far in the tournament. Five of them have been won by the higher seed. Maryland over Minnesota was the only quote-unquote home jersey team. So Maryland and Indiana will be the nightcap. Just one meeting this year. That was in College Park. And I guess similar to what Rutgers did to Purdue, that was a game that Maryland was able to make it ugly and get to the foul line. And that was the night Jalen hood Shafino I thought was throwing the game. One of 14 in the game for the freshman. He had four turnovers that night. Maryland does not have some imposing big men. They're going to play some zone, and they're going to pressure a little bit. They're going to try and make it a bit ugly. Um, but they've struggled away from home. Last night was just their third Big Ten win away from home this season, and two of those are over Minnesota. So, Here's one for you. Last night, and I only say this because of when we're talking about some of these teams, could they be playing their way in? What seems like an innocuous matchup, but Arkansas and Auburn in the SEC tournament, and Arkansas beat Auburn 76-73. Could that have been a bubble burst game for either one of those? Arkansas's 20, they're both 20-12 and 12 overall, but Arkansas was 8-10 and 10 in the league. If Arkansas, so maybe not a bubble burst game for Auburn, but did, did Arkansas need that to get in? Yeah, I'd have to look a little closer at it, Jake. I, I've been a little bit more probably locked into like, ACC. I think I both totally were get it. in. I think both were in, if I'm not mistaken. Like, I think a big loss yesterday was what happened with Pittsburgh. Like, Pittsburgh getting blown out. Um, I mean, they lost to Notre Dame to end the season. That's a team that I think really hurt themselves. Pittsburgh right now is listed as a last four by, literally like the last team in. Man, they're going to sweat it. They're going to sweat it. And then, of course, as we said earlier, Wisconsin and Michigan, I tend to think bubble has burst there, but... Rutgers with an opportunity today, and um, if Purdue wins, they'll be in the early afternoon game tomorrow. I think it's about 1 o'clock. If IU wins, they'll slot into the second afternoon game. That would be about 3.30, and of course, Sunday's championship game. In typical Big Ten championship fashion on Selection Sunday, about a 3.30 I'll tell you what, Kevin, Indiana has been living on that. I mean, like, Indiana literally... They're already building a pool in the backyard of the yard they have built for themselves on the four line. They have not moved they off seem that thing. very firm on that four line. I do think something they could be playing for this week that maybe is not necessarily a seed. I think they could be playing for, can we be close to home? Closer to home is probably the better way to put it. Like if you were able to get on a run... Does the committee then view you and say, hey, we're not going to maybe move them up a line necessarily, but we'll put them in Columbus. 
We'll right. put them in Des Moines early on instead of sending them Sacramento or a little bit further away. So a big slate of Big Ten tournament games, as Jake said. Um, we'll have Greg Rakeshaw on at 8 o'clock. It's also regional time for the IHSAA. 8.30, Tom Deanhart to talk about Purdue and Rutgers. Jordan Cornette. I can't wait to talk Notre Dame basketball with him. I mean, this is this day is heaven. PBR, <laughs> donuts, and Notre Dame basketball talk. Hey, what do you think about Irish chances? <laughs> hey, is Mike Bray going to come back? I, I guess I would sound like maybe Mike Bray at the end of the night at the linebacker last that's week. That's right. That's right. You know? Hey, St. this week. <laughs> Jordan, do a shot with me. Jordan, do a shot with me. Let's see if I can get an Uber home maybe around 10.02 on this Friday well, I can morning. give you a lift. Uh, what? Mark, what tastes better, the donut or the PBR? I actually think they're quite the pairing. It they're actually very, is. They're a very good. Pairing, yeah. Again, I'm just mesmerized by the can. They tweeted out, breakfast of champions, PBR mm-hmm. and a donut. Yeah, stable. I went to my doctor Jake, join earlier the party. this week. I don't think you'd be too fond of this meal right It's now. a good thing that there is somebody responsible in this group. Mm-hmm. Who's right. that? Uh, Mark, care to rehash what happened this time last Friday? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk about responsibility. Uh, what that was a I, week what, ago. What, what should I do? Should I should I call in and do a three-hour sh- radio hit? You know, in hindsight, when I think about that, why didn't I just come in here? I don't know. Like I didn't even think you, about that. You need to be there in, in person for Grigson and company. Yeah. God, I just had my second beer burp. This could be a long show here. <laughs> <laughs> Cough button. Takes do we have on any tums in the building? Here. Tums yeah. might be a requirement. I was say after watching Mark through the first ten minutes. Uh, we'll see about that. Again, the Pacers get to win 30 last night. Overtime uh, heroics from Tyrese Halliburton. Two assists early on and then had 12 points in the extra period. 19 assists for the game. It is... Well, I, I, I think deservedly so. We are on this with Halliburton right now. Since the All-Star break, these numbers to me are just absolutely absurd what he's done. Again, a little banged up leading into the All-Star break. The Pacers have played six games, Jake, since Tyrese Halliburton got back from Salt Lake City. He's averaging 27 points in those six games. Very respectable, of course. I mean, very impressive. Respectable sounds like I'm undermining it. Jake, in those six games, he's at 80 assists and nine turnovers. 80 assists and nine turnovers. He also has been huge down the stretch, obviously. I mean, he he, he basically took over in the overtime, right? Eric Gagne type closing. Wow, good call there. Where is he now? Boy, if you if you were going to say who's going to join Mark and I for a beer and a donut at this hour, I'd say Eric Gagne. I think in the morning uh, he actually just prefers juice, right? Oh boy, that that was pretty good. That was a good one. That was. Mm-hmm. I'll give you credit. <laughs> Couple of sips of PBR and suddenly I'm the funniest guy in the room. <laughs> Right? Does this mean now you might actually appreciate my not only my British accent but face on face off? Well, it can, well, no, certainly not. Definitely not on that one. This is an open mic night yet. There's not a two no. drink minimum, <laughs> not at all. Columbia and Oxford, by the way, reached out last night after the game, wanting some early transcripts from the uh, daycare for Max and Rosie. There, there you go. Mm-hmm. What about the London School of Economics? Yeah, we'll we'll see what their NIL package looks like. You know. It is interesting that at the beginning, I, I think it goes to show, Kevin, kidding aside, the financial windfall that you got based on the Pacers getting 30 wins does go to show how low the expectation was at the beginning of the season. And it's almost now like laugh. I mean, and the Pacers were 
kind of the spearhead of that, but it's it's kind of laughable in hindsight. Well, especially when you watch the team they're playing last night. I mean, Houston was predicted to be right there with Indiana as one of the worst in the league. They started all five of their starters last night, 22 and younger. Jalen Green is just an incredible talent. And that shot by Jabari Smith to force overtime, boy, yeah. I didn't know that he had that in him. Quinn Buckner was convinced it was a two, and then he's and then they showed the angle, and Quinn sounded like somebody just came and took his lunch money. I, I didn't think last night was Quinn's best effort, if I'm going to be totally honest. Um, I, I It was. I mean, I'll be totally honest, and obviously I know that there's probably a little bit more of an emotional side to it. That was rough seeing Benedict Matherin go down. I mean, he was in some serious pain, and I can't recall. I mean, he's played every game this season. I can't recall one time he's really gone to the floor this season and – you know, acted like he was hurt at, right. at, at any level. And, of course, he attacks the rim just so recklessly. But he literally got carried off the floor. Like, not helped off. He got carried to the locker room by George Hill and James Johnson late first quarter. Initially, the Pacers said he was questionable to return. I'm like, I just watched that man get carried to the locker room. I don't think this is Paul Pierce time. Uh, officially ruled out at halftime with a right ankle sprain. You think back to Chris Duarte missing over a month this year. Jake, if he's going to miss multiple weeks, don't you just shut him down for the season? Probably, yeah. I mean, what's – like Kevin Durant, you know what I mean? Like, why risk – there are a lot of players right now that, that are out for a while. Yeah, for those that missed it, Matherin, you know, his typical attacking self, I don't know if the possession was necessarily going anywhere, but he drove and stepped on one of the Houston's big guys' right – his right foot stepped on one of the feet – of the Houston big men, twisted it very aggressively when you show the replay of it. And then again, George Hill, James Johnson, carrying him to the locker room. He has not missed a game all year. He did not miss a game in two seasons at Arizona. So um, I I think it might have been Kobe that kind of initiated this thought. And I don't know, I'm sure there's a player before hell. Michael probably said this. But Matherin had this quote at um, All-Star Weekend about you know, part of the reason why he wants to play 82 games is because you never know who's in the building and, um, you know, people are whatever, saving money and, and that sort of angle to it. So it is a bummer because Rick Carlisle did say afterwards, um, probably unlikely that Matherin plays at Detroit coming up Saturday and Monday. Back-to-back games in Detroit. Three nights in Detroit doesn't sound like the most ideal thing. No, I, I spent... Um... I spent a month in Detroit. Maybe it's a good thing Matherin's not making the trip for his sake. Uh, Hey, Jake, if there's ever a day to get KB on board with you needing Gakwe, it's today. That's probably true. (laughs) He just took a bite of his dough. I can handle a 16-ouncer here and not cave to every little Jake joke today, all right? Well, you after the donut though, you might need. Oh, and you brought a banana, so it's good to see that you're going with nutrition. <laughs> <laughs> I, did. I did. It is a healthy breakfast. Yeah, it is. You know, we're trying to cover all all food groups here on this Friday morning. Again, it's a busy Big Ten slate today. If you're looking for coverage um, for us, it'll be our sister station, IU in Maryland, coming up. Uh, that would be WIBC coming up eight o'clock tonight. Boy, that's one of those Jake where Don Fisher and Eric Sir they could be talking for a while. I mean, right. I, I don't think Minnesota Maryland tipped until like at least nine fifteen, maybe nine thirty. It's just gonna be one of those games where, I guess it's the opposite, right? Where at least there won't be like the time that I was gonna watch Wyoming basketball, and I was all excited. And the game before it went for 
triple oh, yeah. overtime. The under eight timeout of the second half, Jake's getting his first look at his pokes. I mean, yeah, it was. And Reese was, I, I had to tune into Reese for the game. <laughs> Mike Woodson's going to need a nap today to make it all the way to tip off coming what, tonight. Mark, what would Mike Woodson say about the fact that he needs a nap? Is there anything in particular if you were to ask him? Oh, does if he, he needed any, a nap? Does he have any thoughts besides taking a nap tonight? Anything else that he'd like to see his Hoosiers get done by 9.30 p.m.? Let's kick some ass. <laughs> That's right after he takes a Tylenol PM. <laughs> That's right. Uh, uh, some people are asking what were the odds on the at least 30 win bet. Plus 435. Plus 435. So you bet 10 to win 43 bucks. Nice. I... I, I Personally, did not bet ten bucks, but just to give a little bit of an example to those other. But Mark, you're right. I mean, I've literally opened my account. I haven't bet in quite some time. I've opened up my account. Let's just say a few times mm-hmm. since the buzzer yep. sounded last night. Naked, just naked. Yeah, someone, that. someone, someone DM'd me after the show and said, "Hey, Kev might want to pump the brakes because he bet the over of just I think it was twenty three and a half wins, and he still hasn't gotten paid out. So it might be till the end of the regular season. Yeah, what are we gonna vacate wins? Yeah, what's it gonna you know, Ronald Norad was paying Pacers yeah. play. I mean, what, what are we doing here? They got a, They got 30. Signed, sealed, and delivered. They need to continue taking in everybody's money on other bets before they start paying. Now. You took them for so much that they're actually they're starting to try to get other people to make wagers just so they can pay you off. Now, Probably, you know, right? if I'm going to be totally selfish, you know, the goal now is to lose the final 15. Now, oh, for the pick? Yeah. Uh-huh. I'd have a few people re- reach out. Congrats. Now cheer for losses. We'll do a little tankathon coming up. 30 and 37, the exactly Pacers. Still are. a couple games outside of the play in picture. All right. Good Friday morning to you. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Mark Dykton here on Quite the Friday in studio. I guess we had Quite the Friday last week over at the Combine. So For other reasons. Sure. Okay. Uh, Greg Rakestraw at 8. It is regional <laughs> weekend for the boys' basketball tournament. Again, a little bit of a twist to the schedule. We'll talk with Rake about that. I think a lot of eyes down at Southport with the undefeated Ben Davis Giants and the defending 4A champs in the Cathedral. Fighting Irish, 8.30, Tom Deanhart. It'll be Purdue and Rutgers at noon. We'll chat with Tom about that. Also, Purdue's Pro Day was yesterday. Aiden O'Connell, Payne Durham. I am curious where those two will get drafted. Jordan Cornette at 9. Always enjoy ch- talking with Jordan. Of course, more than just Notre Dame basketball chatter with him. And Jake, if people are looking for something to do tomorrow afternoon, University of Indianapolis hosting round one of the NCAA tournament. It has been an unbelievable season for Paul Casaro and the Greyhounds. They have a chance hosting the regional to make it to Evansville, where that's the final eight. Don't think final four third beer burp of the morning. Don't think Final Four (laughs) with the D2 tournament. They have a Final Eight, so that is the goal for the Greyhounds as they look to win three games down at Nickerson Hall coming up this weekend and early next. Mark, you ready to carry it home this morning? Yeah, for sure. I think what Mark had, now I have. Only 143 143 minutes left. We can carry us home, right? Now you know how Mark and I feel. Somebody just texted, don't die. I'm like, I'm not planning on doing, that was just a brief, brief, period of concern that's it i'm just glad that there's the stability of maturity in the building yeah oh look scotty's come up he's wandering in for yeah donut. that's what you're talking scotty, about right? we got pbr scotty. and longs <laughs> where'd the longs go oh here they are scotty, right scotty. scotty today already. is wearing a boston bruins sweater along with is that a bruins hat scotty it is a boston, braves hat. boston braves hat how good do those look scotty 
Oh, um, the line was literally out the door this morning. If you want a PBR, it's right here, by the way. Kevin Aquari. Nothing better than the longs. 93.5107.5, the fan. Uh, by the way, <clears throat> should we go the Red Garter tonight to celebrate? <laughs> I think well, that's how you cap off the PBR party. I mean, yeah. Get some Everybody you know, go Red Garter. Dollar bills. Celebrate a little bit. Well, you need to wait for the money to hit your bank account uh, first. How about uh, this from Nick? There is no way the guys in Green Bay are doing a radio show like the one you're doing today. This should clearly mean you guys are going to jump them in the ring. Darn ratings. right. Yep. Now, Come listen, on, er- here's every morning in Green Bay. Now, their listeners probably have to drink to listen to Packers radio. This hey there, good morning. morning on the Bay, daughter. I <laughs> uh, got a couple of Milwaukee lights to get through this morning as last night the Phoenix with the big win. I mean, are you kidding? I mean, the, I mean, they the, need no reason. This here from Mike, best bleeping radio show in the country. No one else busts open a PBR at 7 a.m. and mix it with some donuts. We're drinking a case of day till Aaron Rodgers decides what he's doing. Uh, we're in celebration because of the Pacers last night. Their 30th win of the season, 134-127 in overtime. Again, it was a pretty much a lead throughout for Indiana. Uh, did not send the starters back in until a little bit later in the fourth at Rick Carlisle. But once he did, Tyrese Halliburton took over in overtime. 12 points in OT for Halliburton. He had two assists as well. Here was the Pacers All-Star afterwards on the W. I was due to make one three today. So uh, you know, once that went in, that kind of got me going. And guys just trusted me. Uh, it's a big thing here. Is, you know, the, my teammates, um, guys that aren't, aren't playing, coaches, front office, they trust me to, you know, close games. So um, just gives me confidence to go out there, um, you know, keep trucking and trying to, you know, get one to fall and win the game. Uh, elsewhere last night in the association, speaking to Tyrese Halliburton, the guy in which he was or for which he was traded, to Sacramento, Domas Sabonis a triple-double, 24 points, 13 rebounds, 10 assists. As the Kings stay hot, they defeated the Knicks 122-117. De'Aaron Fox had 23. Again, I said it before, I'll say it again. That is one of the rare instances, Kevin, I think you could say that a trade worked out well for both yeah. clubs. And now with the Suns injury situation, Durant, I mean, Sacramento's going to win that division in all likelihood and clinch home court, of course, um, in the first round of the playoffs. By the way, Pacers have seven of eight now on the road coming up. Uh, College basketball, busy slate today, as we talked about, for Indiana and Purdue. But let's go back to what happened last night. Rutgers 62-50 over Michigan. That puts Rutgers. Michigan now is at 17-15, and by the way. Rutgers at 19-13 and will play Purdue at noon up in Chicago, the quarterfinals of the Big Ten tournament. Then Maryland and Indiana will be the nightcap. 9 o'clock tonight. The Terrapins, 70-54 to 54 winners over Minnesota yesterday to put them in that situation. One other note in college basketball, Bill Self uh, did not coach on the sidelines for top, not top-ranked, but top-five-ranked Kansas for what is listed as a routine medical procedure he is expected to return. He will not coach in the Big 12 tournament, Correct. right? Correct. Will not coach in the Big 12 tournament. Patrick Ewing out in Georgetown, too. Yeah, how about that? Mm-hmm. Again, Although I, they were 7-25, and 25, right? Could be a Mike Bray spot. And um, when I was talking to someone with the Pacers, they thought maybe Ronald Norad to Georgetown. Uh, Jake, no chirp-chirp for Michael. Michael Lewis might need a PBR today, right? Yeah. I, it, I think he's a Bush light guy, isn't he? Uh, Ball State losing in the their first game in the MAC tournament. Uh, they lose to Ohio 90-74 to straight losses. It was a great first year 
for Michael Lewis, but four straight losses to end the season for the Cardinals. All right, we come back. We'll take a closer look at the Big Ten tournament in today's games, the matchups for Purdue and Indiana. Again, four games up at the United Center. Greg Rakestraw joins us at the top of the hour. Jordan Cornett from ESPN at 9 o'clock. Kevin Aquari on what is an overcast start to this Friday here in Indy. So that was the big story last night. The Pacers getting to win number 30, but it's that time of year, Kevin, where, yeah, there's some you know NFL stuff to think about as well, but lots of basketball from the collegiate standpoint, obviously the high school standpoint we were just talking about, and the Pacers as well. It is a great time of year, and what better time of year and better way to enjoy it than with uh, a Long's Donut and a beer? Well, no better way to start a morning. Breakfast of champions, literally. I think I had, I had someone text me just a minute ago. Donuts and PBR, and then quotes, eat like a champion today. Yeah. Slap the board, Mark. That's what we're doing here to start this Friday morning to celebrate the Pacers <laughs> getting to a 30th victory on the YouTube chat or on the YouTube video. You can see the crisp-looking PBR can looking as immaculate as always here, uh, and it tastes just as good as the Long's Donut, which, of course, is saying something. Uh, Jake, are Purdue fans, you know, oh, we haven't played in five days, or are they like, oh, we got to watch Rutgers? We got to we got to play a football game at noon today. You know that's the thing. I, you know if you're trying to get coming off of some days off, I mean, Rutgers doesn't play real basketball, do they? They don't. I, the thing about Rutgers, I'll give them credit, and I'm not saying that it necessarily is the case away from Rutgers, but they do try to grind you down a little bit. Rutgers does a good job of trying to take people and make them play Rutgers style of play, as opposed to letting you impose your own will on what you want to do and. For Purdue, let's let's be honest. The only thing in play now, and I don't know, Kevin. When you look at it, if you're Purdue, you're probably scoreboard watching UCLA as well. Yep, and they won yesterday. I know. Um, their second leading score did get hurt in the season finale. He is out for the year. So, I think a lot of people are curious how the committee views those things. You know, they can't, they don't have him the rest of the year. So now UCLA has to prove themselves with. Him, if they were, you know, if they win the Pac-12 tournament, obviously that's going to really help them. I think that you look at, I know Joe Lenardi, I don't believe has Purdue as a one seed anymore, but if you look at the majority of the bracketologists out there, I think they still have Purdue as a one. Jake, we're probably getting into technicalities here, but would you want to be the last one shipped out to Las Vegas for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, or would you want to be the top two that's maybe a little bit closer to home? I think sometimes it's not a bad thing to be the top seeded two seed. The other regions, by the way, New York, Louisville, Kansas City. The, I think the better way to look at it, like right now, Purdue is the two seed, right? Is they're on the two line for Joe Lenardi? Correct. And again, and I know that these things are, you know, we're talking about just predictions but Lenardi is pretty dialed in and usually is pretty accurate if they were the two seed this is the better way to look at it which would you rather have be your last obstacle between yourself and the elusive final four Alabama or Texas I think you probably would rather face Texas, right? Just because of the athleticism and the wing size. Is Texas going to be a one? No, Texas is going to be a two. So if Purdue slid up to a number one seed, they would probably be the one. 
But see, I think they'd get the did best I, two I, seed out west. I think they'd get like Arizona or UCLA. Well, they have Texas as a two seed out west. Hmm. Now, admittedly, if Purdue slid into the number one spot, does that bump UCLA into the right. two in that region? I, I don't know. If they flopped, then UCLA becomes the two. Or, or excuse me, UCLA yeah, takes Purdue's place as the two and plays Alabama. And I know, you know we have rather consistent changes with the selection process each year, so I, I get why it can be confusing at times. But I want to reiterate for Purdue fans, if Purdue is the last number one seed in the Las Vegas region, Jake, that doesn't mean they're playing out west in round one and two. They would still be centrally located right, of the for the first system, two rounds. Right? Because yeah. of that pod system they adopted, You know, it's got to be over a handful of years ago by now. But in all likelihood, Purdue, if you look geographically and you look at how the teams in this region have performed this season – Purdue is probably going to be slotted to Columbus for the first two rounds. So they'll play in Ohio State's arena for the first two rounds of the tournament. And then no matter if they're a one seed or a two seed. And then from there, that's when we'll see if they get slotted on the one line or the two line. You look back on this meeting, Rutgers and Purdue earlier this year. Again, they just met once. Rutgers won at Mackey. Uh, typical muck-it-up type of game. Zach Eady just 28 minutes for Purdue. That is very much on the low side, considering how Eady's done such an outstanding job this year of staying out of foul trouble. Rutgers did the same thing yesterday to Michigan, Jake. They held them to 50 points. I mean, that they want the game played in the 50s, maybe into the 60s, um, but they are squarely on the bubble. They lost 7 of 9 before yesterday, Rutgers. Do you see who the first team out is right now? You, you, Haven't heard much about them all year. But you said earlier it was not, Pittsburgh is one of the first out. Is this that right? Is now the first team out. Now Pittsburgh, I, this may not have been updated because Pittsburgh. You said they lost last night. Oh, I got drubbed. Uh, uh, I'll say the first out is Steve Alford. That is correct. Nevada, and I think they the lost last out. night. That probably punches them out, right? Who uh, Purdue fans more worried about Rutgers, Indiana fans more worried about Maryland today? Now, that's really good. Well, I've got PBR in my system early in the morning, so I'm not <laughs> Rutgers is kind of given. Well, both teams have. I would say Rut- Purdue would be more worried about Rutgers because Maryland just seems to be. Maryland is Jekyll and Hyde when they leave College Park, right? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're a totally different team away from home. Three Big Ten wins away from home this year. One of them was last night. Two of the three are over Minnesota. And we know how Minnesota's been this year. It's been a wild Big Ten tournament so far, though. Five of the six wins have been from the higher-seeded teams. Again, Penn State beat Illinois in the early evening game. So if you want to project out a little bit, if you're looking for her, who Purdue could play in the semifinal, if Purdue beats Rutgers, they would then play the winner of Michigan State, Ohio State, Tomorrow afternoon, Ohio State's won two games in two days. They've got Tom his own company today. If Indiana beats Maryland tonight, they would play the winner of Northwestern Penn State. I haven't seen a line yet on IU Maryland, but I think a lot of people think it'll be close to a pick. Are you are you pacing yourself for this for tonight for IU and Maryland? I think I'll go one more PBR. One more donut, one more PBR. Wow. I, I, think, I think that's fair, right? How about you, Mar- Mar- if Mark? Mark has sorry, has mid-sip. What? <laughs> if Mark has one more, the show goes off air. Yeah, Mark, right? how's the PBR? Oh, it's fantastic. You know, it is a 16-ouncer. Oh, yeah. It's the only way to have them. Sure. 
Or by draft. Jake, thanks for the purchase. This is courtesy of you, by the way. Yeah, well, I do what I can. I can tell you off the top of my head every place that has PBR on draft in the greater central Indiana area, by the way. Mm-hmm. And that's where the PBR party will El Emporium be. just took it out of flight up in Castleton. We're, I'm working really? on them. I'm leaning on them. Perfect way to wash down some Help a brother out. Rockstone there. Pizza up at a oh, great, great North pizza. Allisonville. PBR on tap. Oh, is, that is the that is one of the key points of the PBR party is that they have to be on draft. Oh yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. I mean, locations. of course. How else are we gonna do keg stands? Yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, have you ever done a keg stand? Uh, it, it's been a while, Mark. Yeah, not like last week, but yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. Okay. No, last weekend very good behavior. Have you have you shotgunned a beer? I know you probably. Oh yeah. But why did you say it like that? I know you probably have. Like that's how I've we start done, my. I've never done either one. That's how we start my uncle's golf outing every every year. With a shotgun start? Tee off at like seven, shotgun a beer, and then you tee off. Look at you, Jake, dropping the golf knowledge. <laughs> Come on. You ain't dealing with no chimp here. How'd your I mean, guys do yesterday, by the way, in the players? How did Sergio do? Let me see. You had Hideki. Who else did you have? Well, I, mean, I forget. Let me look at the leaderboard Justin, and I'll tell you. Did you see Justin Rose, I thought, no, I think was one I said, of them? Is there he, just, he was Thomas? curious about Rose. I think he did have Thomas. Hideki, Thomas, and Rory. Is that who you had? That sounds right. How'd I do? Let's, let's fire up these names here. Uh, one of my favorite events of the year, of course, a very iconic golf course. Justin Thomas, T76, plus one yesterday. Okay. Rory McIlroy tied for 116th. Okay. Slow start. Uh, Hideki tied for 96th. I, it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? 72 holes, but you got to make it to 72. Right. So today will probably be a big day for you. Who did you have, Kev? You said... And I think he was right at even. I, I think I actually, the, the guys that I was, and, and I know I didn't want to say it on the air because I didn't want people to think I was weird or anything, but Chad Ramey, I, I had this weird feeling about. And then, is there a uh, is there a Griffin fella? Oh, God. Okay. You, ben? Your internet's working. You can ben pull Griffin? up the leaderboard. All right. <laughs> no. What do you do? And then I, I, I had a, a weird inkling about, I was thinking of Indomitian. And then I was thinking about the fact that I had the Justin Rose fella, and then I thought, no, 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 what I meant was Justin Sue, because yeah. I had Indomitian in there. He, he pronounces it suh, just to be clear on this, okay? Uh, no, I get that. But actually, I said, and he got on me. I don't know if you know this or not, I got a letter from his hmm. from his people. Wow, a letter been, in 2023? Yeah, I've been I've been mispronouncing. I've been calling him Justin Sue forever. And then I got a letter from him saying that if I didn't cool it, he was going to suh me. And so I... But I, I'm challenging that, and I'm seeing. In my opinion, that sucks. I don't think so at all, Jim. Who's opinion. been drinking this morning? I, I was gonna wait till eight. Which of us? But it's got to come at seven fifty-four. The second. I one. might need a second one after that last two what? minutes. What? Two minutes of your life you'd like to have back? Is that what oh, you're telling man. me? Go, going back to the earlier question that you asked, Jake. You know, who do you want to see in a bracket? If you're one of these top teams and you're picking out of the top teams, would you want to see Alabama? Would you say at some point all of this has got to cave in yeah, on Yeah, I, I, that's a fair statement. I, one of these teams that has had a great year. Would you, you rather know, play Houston or Alabama? Let's say you're Purdue and you're a two seed. You I want think to I'd see rather it. play Alabama than Houston because I do think, say what you want, Alabama's got a lot of drama swirling around it. And, I, I, you know, Brandon Miller has been so obviously tabbed as a top three pick. I know nothing of the young man. He may be a nice kid that was in a bad situation. I don't know. What he was linked to is a horrific situation. And at some point, the scrutiny and all of that is going to weigh itself along with just the pressure that comes with being 
a team with a target on it, pardon the pun, and then the fact that he himself probably has one eye on, you know what, I'm going to the league. Houston, say what you want about Kelvin Sampson, and I am not a fan of Kelvin Sampson as a guy, but he can flat out coach, and they play hard. They guard the hell out of you. They'd be hacking the hell out of Edie. Uh, Yeah, I mean... I would rather face Alabama than Houston. Getting selection Sunday coming up on Sunday. Purdue gets things started Big Ten tournament-wise here in about four hours. It's a noon tip against Rutgers. They're favored by a handful there. Still no line yet out on IU and Maryland. Approximately 9 o'clock tonight for Mike Woodson and the Hoosiers. It is a busy, busy weekend for hoops. I think you know. I think our next guest would appreciate PBR and a donut at this hour, right? Without question. Uh, Brian Good, my buddy Brian Good, the pride of Northview and North Central, just said beer and a Long's donut is the best combo ever. Brian Good, 062 on the bingo board. We yeah. haven't heard from Brian yep. in a while. Oh, here. Brian's the best. I ran into Brian at the uh, Too Short concert. Brian, I'd love to Brian cheers. Oh, Too Brian Short, Good. I had that one. B54. Yep. Brian Good could flat out ball. He had ball handling skills like nobody's business. You know, the only thing I thought you were saying him, a flat out drink. You know, like, the only thing that <laughs> held him back from being a star at North Central? What? Too Short. In my opinion, that sucked. Next beer is being opened during the break. Greg Gregshaw next. That's why Kevin Bowen brought Longs in for everybody. That's why Kevin Bowen is on, what, uh, about nine ounces into his PBR tall boy? Could be about 11 and a half in, yeah. Mark, how's your PBR doing over there? It's still crisp, and we got about a quarter left. Everybody's celebrating because the Pacers last night win number 30 for Kevin Bowen's big preseason over-under wager as they defeat the Houston Rockets in overtime. And so, despite what happens this weekend in the Big Ten tournament, despite what happens in the high school basketball tournament, the world of basketball, good to Kevin Bowen in 2020. You could argue great. Uh, <laughs> speaking of great, our next guest, Greg Gregstraw. Busy time of year, per usual. For Rake. Rake, I you've probably had a longs donut at this hour of the morning somewhat recently. When's the last time you've had a beer at this hour of the morning? I'm not sure that's happened in this millennium, to be honest with you. Um because usually I'm much more of an evening drinker, not just in my forties, but like even in my twenties. I, I I can't remember the last kind of keg and egg experience I would have had. Now, Greg, hang on. You are how old a fella? I'm 46 years old. Is this getting to know your listener? I'm 46 years old. 46-year-old Greg. The, pre- okay, the president Lane's of the United day. States. Uh, so, Greg, that, if you're 46, my quick math tells me that that means you would have graduated from high school somewhere around 95. Is that right? You're, you're correct. I actually skipped a grade when I was younger, so 94. Ooh. Okay. Well, well, Athletically or academically or both? Uh, well, you turned into athletically, but for academic reasons. So I'm trying to do quick math here. So Jake in, did not skip a grade. Just in other for words, curious out there for if you if you've reasons. only had a beer before 8 a.m. in the past millennium, were you did you not turn 21 until this millennium? I turned 21 in 1997. Okay, so we're safe. Okay, just want yeah. to make sure you know. Thanks for that math problem there. Just to double check everything. Will they be drinking on the campus of UND this weekend, Rake? I actually want to start there. Paul Casaro and, and company hosting. Um, the Midwest region, that's quite the feat for them, no matter what happens here over the next couple of days. Well, uh, speaking of 1997, that was the last time that that happened. Now, there is an asterisk there 
They were going to host in 2020. Literally, teams were on their way to Indianapolis for the tournament, and the NCAA tournament at all divisions got canceled, uh, unfortunately, due to the COVID pandemic. But this will be the first time as of tomorrow that postseason basketball is played at Nickerson Hall in 26 years. UND has had a fantastic season. Uh, Paul has an, an 11-man rotation. It's a big basketball team, an experienced basketball team that he's got. Now, they, they lost to Missouri-St. Louis, who's on the opposite side of the bracket as them, twice in the last couple of weeks. It's their only two losses you know, really kind of since December uh, at this point. That team had, had built a pretty good win streak going. Uh, so I, I am... I'm, I'm kind of spoken for Saturday and Sunday. I'm going to try to sneak in on the end of those games as best I can. Just hoping to make it to Tuesday. So uh, perhaps I could have a beverage or two off campus and then enjoy the game on Tuesday, which would be the regional championship. And refresh us on how that works. Is it just, you know, simply single elimination like the like the regular Division One tournament is, and then they go to Evansville for the final eight, and it's the same format? Correct. It's compressed. There's not three weekends of the tournament. There's two. So there's eight regional host sites, and you have to stay within your region of the country. So there's no, you know, sending a team from the Midwest out West. The eight teams that are in Indianapolis are all part of three different leagues. The GLVC, UND's league, which they won. The GLIAC, which is largely now the Michigan League. Those are a lot of singing kids, right? Something along those exactly very, very melodious, yeah. and then you've you can got see why I'm drinking beer at this hour, right? What's well, that? You can see why I'm drinking beer at this hour. I'm going to have my second long stoner, <laughs> by the way, as we shout. I'm, I'm amazed this doesn't happen every day on the show. To be blunt about it, uh, but anyway, it's those it's the teams from those three conferences. And the unique thing for you, Indy, is that if they win, uh, they will then go to Evansville, so they could have six postseason games all in the state of Indiana. Six games wins you a national championship. Greg, when you look at a school like UND that is obviously in an area where high school basketball is so coveted in Indiana, is this roster being built in this program, is it built primarily on kids that simply want playing time as opposed to maybe going to an opportunity at a mid-major and not getting a lot of minutes? Or is it kind of the IUPUI blueprint of maybe some kids are going away realizing they're not getting a lot of minutes and then coming back to play closer to home and that's how the roster is built? There is not a – there have been in the past, there is not a great deal of Division One transfers on this roster. Um so and, and, and so kind of what you're doing is maybe you're trying to get that kid that other schools missed out on. Um, I talk about this around Marion University and the Crossroads League a great deal, uh, and, and that is the fact that you're almost trying to recruit against those Division ones out of state where, like, a kid back in the day would have gone to, like, say, a Campbell or a Gardner-Webb or something along those lines, um, and, and you get that kid to stay home. You, Indy, and this group, seemingly, they have gotten kids that have transferred like from other Division twos. One of those is a local kid, a Jacoby Robinson, part of that undefeated Warren Central team five years ago. He was at McKendry, whom you, Indy, plays uh, tomorrow. He was at McKendry for a year or two before coming home to play for you, Indy. They've got a young man that transferred from Lewis, which is a conference rival of you, Indy. Um, you get kids that want to stay home, like a Jesse Bingham who has now scored a thousand points really in two seasons playing at UND. But this roster that Paul Casaros put together 
has kids from from out of state as well that don't really have a tie to Indianapolis. And so it's just about trying to find that kid that for some reason others have missed out on or finding that kid that you think can develop and turn into uh, something pretty special. There's a couple of those on the UND roster as well. Used to work with Jesse Bingham's father. Great individual. Um, shifting, oh, super. Shifting gears, Rake, to the high school scene. Again, regional weekend for the boys starting tomorrow. A change in schedule this year. I think oftentimes we get into this regional, and yeah, I'm sorry to use the word regional again, but we get into this local bias with teams. We, we, we maybe ignore some storylines that are great in other pockets of the state. Correct me if I'm wrong, Rake, but the storyline for this regional weekend has got to be at Southport tomorrow afternoon, right? You've got four of, of the top ten teams in the state that are facing off against each other, and if you go by the Sagarin ratings, you've got teams two, three, four, and and thirteen. And let me explain that that two part. Yes, Ben Davis is twenty nine and zero. Yes, Ben Davis has handed Penn their only loss of the season. It was by double digits. But the Sagarin ratings, and the only sense I can make of it is is margin of victory, which has been substantial for Penn in most of their games, has actually placed Penn above Ben Davis in the Sagarin ratings by two hundredths of a point. But your point is well made. New Pals got their most wins they've ever had in school history. They did not lose until the end of January. Brownsburg has won 20 games for the fifth time in the last 10 years, and they've got a, a, a future superstar in Cannon Catchings that's heading to Purdue. And again, for those who don't know, that's Tamika's nephew uh, that is the star player for Brownsburg. Then you get to the defending state champs in Cathedral with a McDonald's All-American against a team that if they win out, would set the state record for most wins in a season in an undefeated season with Ben Davis because they could get their record to 33-0. So, yes, there's not exactly a lack of storylines that I have for my two broadcasts tomorrow on my TV. I'm glad you brought up the catchings kid. I, I get, you know, you whatever, recruiting services are recruiting services, but five-star rating, I think I saw from him, on one of the, I mean, it was like 247 Sports. Uh, for those that haven't seen him play, I've heard great things from the coaching staff about him, but for those that haven't seen um, Tamika's nephew play, can you kind of describe the type of player he is? Long, athletic, smooth jump shot and has the ability to put weight on that frame. So he's 6'7", 6'8". I'm not sure he's 200 pounds yet. He's a skinny kid, but again, he'll be able to grow into it. Mom played in the Big Ten. Grandpa played in the NBA. You know, Aunt is one of the greatest WNBA players of all time. Dad played college football and then played briefly in the National Football League. Um, you know, and so he, he's got he's got the genes. Then you watch him; he's got the game. I think he can struggle with a little physicality at times, but there are, there are few guys that can actually kind of match what he does athletically. I saw one of those games. When Brownsburg played Carmel in mid-January, Sam Mormon's a kid that's built a lot like him. And so it was you could tell it was kind of, I mean, there's somebody that's matching me size-wise here when I'm, when I'm floating on the wing and getting a hand in my shot. He still, I think, finished that game with 16 or 18 points. Um, I saw him against Plainfield in the Hendricks County Tournament, and he had 30. I mean, he was utterly dominant. And so I don't know that New Pal has somebody from that athleticism size standpoint they can match him at some point as they get deeper in the tournament. They do, but uh, he is a kid that really blossomed from a talent standpoint from his sophomore to his junior year. And frankly, he will be 
he and Flory Badunga will be engaged in quite the battle for Mr. Basketball in this state next year. Verbaled to Matt, to Matt Painter, right? Correct. Can't sign until the fall, but I also think that's a pretty rock-solid commitment knowing the family. Hey, Greg, let's go back to the BD or Cathedral game. Excuse me. No, oh, come on uh, now. That's right. Um, I have heard people say that you know Ben Davis is on a historic path here. Cathedral, we know about having obviously you know Xavier Booker, who's been a big time recruit, but Jason Delaney can flat out coach. They've got talent all around. What's been the secret for Ben Davis? Because does Ben Davis have multiple D one talent, or is this the kind of team where they just really play well and understand each other on the floor? Ben Davis, I think, other kids that play and they play anywhere from eight to nine man rotation. They probably have three Division one, and they have four Division one athletes. But they're not the high major level kid. So Zane Dowdy is going to play at Valparaiso. And Zane is 6'9, 230. Um, you know, Zane is a physical force you don't often see in high school basketball. Their point guard, Sheridan Sharp, is going to play at Nickel State, 6'1, 6'2, rangy kid, 6.3 assists a game, one of the best floor generals in the state. And I think those two kids are with Indiana All Stars. Their other Division I recruits are kids that are not seniors yet. So, K.J. Windham, who began the season kind of as, as their leading returning scorer and, and perhaps most experienced player, he's now become their sixth man. He turned his ankle against Cathedral the first time. That opened the door for Mark Zachary to come into the starting lineup, and the pieces just kind of even, they were good before that. They've clicked even better since that time. Mark is probably a, a, a football kid, you know, and you look at him, you'd say, wait a minute, he's the skinniest kid on the floor well, he's a sophomore, but he played on both the varsity football and basketball teams at Ben Davis as a freshman last year. It doesn't happen at a school the size of Ben Davis. And he's had offers from Duke, Purdue. He's taken a visit to Notre Dame. I think he's more of a football kid, but he's pretty much he's, he's a pretty solid basketball player, maybe one of the best on-ball defenders in the state. What makes this Ben Davis group special is that the pieces all fit, and they're not reliant on one guy so they're somewhat immune if somebody has an off night if if they have a bad shooting night they've got two phenomenal rebounders in Dowdy and Arnold that will go get every miss if a team doesn't have great size Dowdy and Arnold will eat them alive but if a team has size well if they don't have great guard play then Ben Davis is, is deep enough at the guard position and solid enough where their guards will, will, will be the advantage. And I think that's the advantage that Ben Davis has against Cathedral. This Cathedral team obviously not only has Xavier Booker going to Michigan State, but Jerron Tibbs that, could, that is going to, I think, an Indiana All-Star in basketball as well is going to play football at Purdue. Jake Davis is going to play at Mercer. Good size, great shooter. They, they've got other talented guards in terms of Kamari Slaughter, Sincere Germany, but they don't have a true point guard, and missing Tayshawn Comer has been their difference. Now, they've only had five losses, it's fewer than they had last year going into the state tournament. They've only had two losses to teams in the state of Indiana, one of those being Ben Davis. And so the storyline for tomorrow's game at 4 o'clock is can, can Cathedral take care of the basketball? If they do, they've absolutely got a chance to beat Ben Davis tomorrow because the other pieces are that good. But if they are prone to turn it over, and they average 15 turnovers a game, if if that number is in that neighborhood again tomorrow, that's going to be a problem against BD. 
Okay, Greg Rickstall with us here, ISC Sports Network, courtesy Payless Liquors Hotline. Rake, last one from me. Uh, ben Davis, did I see they made a hire uh, for their new football coach with Jason Simmons leaving? That is correct. Russ Mann, who was the defensive coordinator uh, at, at Ben Davis, and I was kind of told early in the process they're probably going to keep it internal, and that they did. Uh, they, they may me not have the level of football team that their basketball team is, in other words, as in generationally good, but they still could be the best team in the state next year. They returned some key pieces, led by their quarterback, Thomas Gotkowski. You know, again, Mark Zachary is going to be a junior next year on the football field. Uh, is a pretty high starting running back, one of the best in the area last year, was a sophomore. Uh, so, so they have some, some big pieces that are coming back. And uh, they decided to keep it in-house, and, and, and Russ Mann gets the opportunity. I'm sure he'll do a fantastic job. It's one of the best weekends of the year on the hardwood. And then, Ray, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't we come back for another pairing show here this weekend with the new scheduling changes for the high school? That is correct. So the draw was completed through the regional round. The 32 teams that make it out of tomorrow will learn where and whom they are playing Sunday at 1 o'clock on the IHSA Champions Network. There are eight different semi-state sites for North, for South. First thing on the show that we'll do is we'll announce what teams are going to what location. And then literally the commissioner of the IHSA and Paul Neidig will conduct the ping-pong ball draw, and we will place the teams in the brackets during the 1 o'clock hour on Sunday. How about that? We'll get you started for... Six o'clock when the NCAA tournament Division One men's bracket comes out. Rake, enjoy it all, and I appreciate the time. Anytime, fellas. Take care. It's a great Greg Rake straw right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. So yeah, a little twist this year, and how the format for the basketball tournaments work, and a little bit of insight on that right there. You know the um, it's interesting in talking about catchings. And his development, I, you know, you can see. Obviously, there are certain players that you can just tell at a young age that they're things are aligning for them that they're going to be really good players, and that that, that puts some pressure on a kid for sure. Um, I see so many parents that they they want their kids so badly to be a coveted recruit and star, and yet I I just think that like. The familial background, the you know, there are so many things that go into play that if your kid's five foot nine, he's probably not going to be a big time division one. If you're five eight and your wife's five five, you're probably not going to have a six four wing that's going to be a great player. You know what I mean? That that's the the biggest challenge I think for a lot of those players. Yep. But and the other thing as well. Um, when it comes to being a big time recruit, it is so hard. I, I I remember so vividly, and I think this is so difficult for people to grasp. But I understand it. But it's difficult sometimes for people to grasp that because their child is dominating at the fourth, fifth, sixth grade level, that means so little towards how dominant they're going to be at the high school level. Because I can think of guys when I was in middle school that were, you know, we were in the fifth grade and turning into sixth graders. And, you know, one kid's five foot nine. He could dribble. He could shoot from the outside. Uh, all of a sudden, he's getting like muscle definition and hair under his arms. And it's like, holy cow, this guy's a man child. And then we're sophomores in high school and he's five foot nine and is riding the bench for the JV. 
until everybody has gone through puberty, you just never know, man. There are certain things that you can look at to kind of predict, but for the most part, you just never know. Mark, I didn't have puberty on the Friday bingo card. No, nope, that's <laughs> a new one. Granted, I don't know I'm if I had PBR and Long's Donuts <laughs> on the Friday bingo well, card. Well, I'm just either. glad that it appears as though, I mean, somebody on this program has to be mature and be able to you know, talk about these real important issues. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Yeah, because that was readily apparent last Friday with your combine effort. what's the what's the let me ask you something if i may let me uh, by the you. way on the catchings kid I, someone who's me, tamika's very involved attends a lot of games i think she's very much a part of his life and obviously that's a pretty good role model i love to me having your family uh what's the the statute of limitations on my persecution on the credential well, gate? it's longer than one week i can tell you that much probably has to well i mean i just think it extends till next combine right yeah Until you, you can have to kind prove, of prove that you, you can let do me, it let me let me ask this let me ask this yeah on a one to ten scale, what is the level with all factors considered? Just the this is when I cracked the second one, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah. yeah. All factors considered, what is the level of <laughs> of how egregious my error was? I thought it was going to overflow there for a second, but we got. What would you control. say on a scale of what one to ten? One to ten. Ten being like the. I thought it was a six until you said, "Do you know who I am?" I did not say that. Then I thought it rose a bit. So a six. (laughs) Now, on a one to ten scale, what was the level of unreasonability and lack of practical common sense by the official who made me go home? You were trying to get her on air, if I remember correctly. I did. What would you say? Simply doing her job. I, I don't dispute that. And I think I even said, I understand you're doing your job, but hear me out but i am very important just when you think common sense should be exercised you're charging at bryce young <laughs> and cj stroud and they Will got levis. word that you were eyeing those lions helmets right. like we can't let any tom mr levis happen. can i dump mayo on your head you know i just they could have gotten awkward i as someone that was inside of that building i appreciate their level of well i will let you know that when i asked her if she could come on the radio to tell she said and i quote i don't think i can come on the radio and i said why and then she said i will admit i was unusually mean to you okay that's all i'm looking for but please show me your credential uh, we're talking Purdue and Rutgers. That tip is less than four hours away. We'll do that coming up with Tom Deanhart here in about five minutes. Let's lead off the check down with the nightcap tonight from the United Center. Jake, it's IU in Maryland tonight, approximately 9 o'clock. These teams met in College Park earlier this season. It was an ugly one for, really, Jalen Hood-Shafino especially. 1 of 14 from the field. He had four turnovers in that game, and Maryland won it by 11. Basically, Maryland got to the foul line a whole lot, and the variety of defenses stymied whatever Indiana was trying to do offensively before IU knew who they were going to play here in the Big Ten quarterfinals. Here was Mike Woodson yesterday on the upcoming Big Ten tournament. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. Listen, I'm not worrying about the NCAA. You know, right now the Big Ten tournament is staring us in the face. Um, I thought last year we made a nice run at it, but we fell short. So, you know, now this is a new new season, a new opportunity to go out and, 
and try to win the Big Ten tournament. Then we then we'll worry about the NCAA tournament. But Big Ten tournament is staring us in the face, and we got a grand opportunity to just like the teams that are still winning and, and the teams that are waiting to play, just like us. I'm going to list for you Maryland's wins away from College Park. Okay, they won at Louisville. No oh boy, that's a good one. They won at Minnesota. And they won... They beat Michigan. I'm looking here. They beat Michigan at home. They lost at Michigan by 25. You know what that means, right? Let's kick some ass. Actually, 35. They lost to... They lost to Michigan by 35 on the road. And beat them at home. That, that Correct. Was a, Correct. Yeah, away from home has been an issue for Maryland to this say the least. season. Um, right now, it's pretty close to, I guess, Indiana's a slight favorite. One and I a guess half, they beat, I'm seeing. They beat Miami and St. Louis in neutral games, neutral court games. But Maryland, listen, Maryland can guard you. Maryland can play, there's no doubt. But Maryland has been a different team away from home. Yeah, Minnesota is not who you're seeing tonight. And again, Purdue has got Rutgers at noon. So the Big Ten slate for Friday in the quarterfinals. It'll be Purdue and Rutgers to kick things off. The winner of that will get the winner of Ohio State and Michigan State. The Buckeyes have won two games in two days. Jake, how about Ohio State beating Iowa yesterday? Uh, Ohio State is one of those teams, Kevin, that every year this happens. Some team gets hot in a conference tournament, and you're like, whoa, wait a minute, are they going to kick down the door? And then they get to the finals and they lose. Ohio State has to win out to get oh, into yeah. the tournament. Yeah, easily. Uh, nightcap tonight, know, right? it will be Northwestern and Penn State. They were ranked this year, Ohio State. Uh, our coverage will begin, actually, for that at 6.30, and then, like we said, Indiana and Maryland for the nightcap. Uh, NBA last night. Pacers got win number 30 on the season, thus Kevin's celebration this morning. Tyrese Halliburton, sensational in overtime for the Pacers. It probably shouldn't have gone to overtime when you're taking on the Houston Rockets, but 134-125. Pacers win. Halliburton with 29. He also had 19 assists. He kind of took over in the extra session, and so Indiana now getting ready to go for a lot of them on the road, but a good one to get last night. Tyrese Halliburton afterwards talked about the fact that, yeah, the Houston Rockets may not be the greatest thing going, but you have to respect each and every opponent in the National Basketball Association. I was due to make 1-3 today, so uh, you know, once that went in, that kind of got me going, and guys just trusted me. Uh, it's a big thing here. You know, the, my teammates, um, guys that aren't, aren't playing, coaches, front office, they trust me to, you know, close games, so um, just gives me confidence to go out there, um, you know, keep trucking and trying to, you know, get one to fall and win the game. Now, hang on. Now, we've got a list here. Tyrese Halliburton on respecting the other opponent each night. So, I, I very clearly threw to that. Yeah. Now, where now, are you on the PBR well, count? Well, so here, here's the thing. It's a 16 ounce. Is, is Kevin, <laughs> before the show, will ke- send me the sound bites that he wants okay, ahead well, of time? What's my name? Your name is Jake. Okay, you don't nice. send me any updates. <laughs> hey, throw to right. this thing did. real quick. I just Five did. seconds. Uh, so, yeah, I wasn't ready that you were going to throw to a completely different I, cut that we didn't discuss let me ask you something. before the morning checkdown. Did you give me the verbal cue? Did you give me the, the, the head nod of I, I'm picking up what you're dropping there, Jake? Did I think you? I just 
I think I just nod to you. Was just, that actually a beer burp that just? It could have been. <laughs> I have not used the cough. I have not used the cough button this much in the first ninety minutes of the show in quite some time. I just had a big one that I had to make sure that the cough well, button so was Mark. a little I'm, elongated I'm, for. I'm, I'm that, mine was more of a brain fart. I think the I'm first looking, ten minutes of the show for Mark, I really here. thought we we were losing him. I'm treading water in the ocean. I look at Mark as if to say, "Can you throw me that little life preserver?" He gives me the head bob. So I go ahead and relax my arms from treading, and then realize that's actually a beer. Then got taken away by the, the tidal wave took you away. Gosh, I thought I we were losing this. you, Mark. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, 29 points, 19 assists. That ties or is a career high. One turnover. The other thing to note from last night, eight guys in double figures. Jordan Wara continues to impress. Uh, 18 for him. Jake, I'd say the other. Like found money. The other huge storyline, which certainly is why, partly why I'm on my second beer, a little sorrow. Benedict Matherin carried off the floor late first quarter, uh, right ankle sprain. It looked pretty severe. So uh, a month ago in the regular season, if this is going to be a multi-week thing, we might have just seen the end of Benedict Matherin's rookie well, season. Well, now that they've gotten your 30, now it turns to the tankathon. Oh, shot them all down. Before we get to Tom Deanhart, it is time to find out exactly where the Pacers may be drafting. They sit now at 30 wins. That puts them sixth in terms of the NBA draft lottery. But once we do a tankathon, we're going to... Head nod, <laughs> thumbs up, we're good to go. Okay, here we go. Mark's on it, per usual. With the... Yesterday it was seventh, right? Sixth pick in the 2023 NBA mock draft, the Indiana Pacers select Jerace Walker from the University of Houston. Later has them taken again, Colby Jones and Jalen Hood Shafino. Walker, kind of a bigger wing, like almost uh, maybe kind of a more of a four if you want to get technical on it. I keep hearing, by the way, that this is essentially a three-player draft. I feel like yeah. there's a little bit more depth. I feel like the wings, I don't know. I mean, there are good players, but in terms of like guys that are definitively your And that top- would be Webb and Yama, Scoot Henderson, and Brandon Miller? Correct. Correct. Then after that, it's kind of, there's, some interchange, there's some interchangeability. The Boilers and the Scarlet Knights coming up in three and a half hours. We'll talk more about that next here. Kevin and Quarry. Be Purdue and Rutgers coming up at noon. Five and a half, I think that's what I saw. Five and a half point favorite for the Boilers as they look to... Beat Rutgers after Rutgers got the best of them inside of Mackey about two months ago. To talk more about that, Tom Deanhart on 3.com covers Purdue, of course. He joins us now. Uh, Tom, do you think Purdue fans wanted to see Michigan or Rutgers in this quarterfinal matchup? I'm probably going to say Michigan. I mean, Rutgers has kind of been the kryptonite for the Boilers, of course. You reference the defeat the Boilermakers suffered this year in Mac Arena at the hands of the Scarlet Knights, of course, last year. What? ascends to number one for the first time ever and what the first time out out in uh, Piscataway slash New Brunswick Scarlet Knights took him down so yeah it's it's a well coached team anybody who's watched uh, Steve Peichel's squad knows they uh, they get after it and I gotta think they're gonna they're come after Purdue with those guards and try to press them a little bit today Tom when it comes to Purdue entering the Big Ten tournament now follow me here because this is going to sound crazy I kind of feel like the conference tournaments now, especially for the Big Ten, to a lot of people, have become like really of interest to the team that ends up winning the Big Ten tournament, and then everybody else, if they don't win, it's like, yeah, I mean, we just wanted the rest anyway, you know, that kind of thing. Is there, do you feel like Purdue really stands to lose ground? If they don't win the Big Ten tournament, has their body of work 
cemented themselves to be on that one line, kind of dependent upon UCLA. And if and if Purdue wins the Big Ten tournament, do you think that vaults them into the one, or are they stuck at the two unless UCLA backpedals? Yeah, again, as far as the power power conferences go, right, I really think the die is pretty much already cast for most of these schools as far as the NCAA tournament schools that are projected to be in. The ones that it matters for, just, of course, the bubble teams, right? We sit here and play basketball for three or four days, and really the only teams in power conferences that have much on the line are those bubble teams like Penn State, like Rutgers. I think the upper division, upper conference teams, again, uh, are pretty much already obviously set for the tournament. I think their seeding really can't change that much either by what goes on in these conference tournaments. Uh even if Purdue wins this thing, like you said, maybe UCLA stumbles. I just don't know if, if what you do over the course of a couple of days is going to be enough to maybe change your seed that much. I could be wrong, but I tend to think, for the most part, these things are just exercises to try to get bubble teams into the, into the big dance. And Tom Deanhart is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline on 3.com covering the Purdue Boilermakers. I do want to touch on the pro day yesterday and maybe some good news for the 2023 Boilers and Ryan Walters' first year in a second. But focusing still basketball-wise, you know, I thought arguably, really, and you think about the past few weeks, Tom, I would say what Brandon Newman did on the first half going back to mm-hmm. Sunday, if you can somehow bottle that up, now I think – we can start to maybe get back to what we were thinking about Purdue earlier in the Big Ten season or certainly in the non-conference. How critical do you think a Newman giving you 12 points and you know something on the defensive end of the floor would be to Purdue making a run all the way to April? Just huge, you know. He's matured to the point where now if his offense isn't clicking, he doesn't check out defensively. And you reference some of that energy that he's brought on the defensive end, how key is that? And just the injection of athletic ability on the wing, too, that Brandon Newman can can provide this roster. So you're right. He could be the ultimate X factor here. Um, obviously, overall, I think one area that has to have fans a little bit concerned is just still the inconsistent shooting ability from from, from long distance. Um, you know, with all that attention being paid to Zach Eady by opponents, it's so imperative for Purdue to be able to take advantage of those open looks they get. And we've seen, it seems like, long stretches here where Purdue really struggles to knock down even these wide-open three-pointers. So they got to get that dialed back. And Fletcher Roy in particular, you know, he seemed to have hit a wall to a degree. You need a guy like that to really be dialed in as a shooter. A little bit more from, from Jenkins as well. So, again, just everybody watching the Boilermakers' ability to hit those, those long-range shots is obviously going to be a key to them having some success in March. Tom, when you go to let's let's switch over as Kevin had mentioned to the pro days and and the football side of things. Purdue's in an interesting situation because they might have some guys, and I think we've seen this out of Purdue. Tom, you tell me if I'm wrong, but um, you know guys that aren't necessarily combine workout warriors that then through a pro day get an opportunity via undrafted free agent or maybe a late round flyer that then are able to make a home for themselves within the NFL. Um, did you go to the pro day? Were you able to watch? And, and what all took place for the Purdue players that were trying to, to show themselves to NFL scouts? Yeah, I was in the Mollenkopf. It's always a fun event. Um, every NFL team was represented. There was one offensive coordinator there. The Las Vegas Raiders OC was there. So it was a packed house. Ken Boilers worked out. 
and five that were at the combine were there as well. Just an intriguing group of guys, right? Uh, um, as far as yesterday's events go, I think the guy who may have helped himself the most was a guy that wasn't at the combine, an Indianapolis native, a kid named Reese Taylor, who began his career in Indiana, transferred to Purdue as a cornerback. He's a guy that tested very well, very explosive, good vertical, ran the best 40 of anybody who ran yesterday, too. He's just not the biggest, tallest guy. Played a lot of football. I'm not saying he's going to be drafted, but he's a guy who could find his way into a camp. And Again, as far as going back to Naptown, the combine, you guys saw Corey Trice run, right? I think he was the guy that may end up being the, the boilermaker who gets selected first, given what he was able to do in Indianapolis, particularly running that 4 four four forty. I mean, that was the question about Trice. How fast was he going to test? And he, he tested very well running that 40. He get drafted over Payne Durham, you think? I think so. Look, man, six foot three, two hundred fifteen pound cornerback who runs a four four forty. I mean, you guys know there's about four positions NFL teams covet. Mm-hmm. You want to have you want to have a guy off the edge that can pressure quarterbacks. You want to shut down corner. You want a good left tackle, and you want a quarterback. And Trice is one of those guys. I'm not saying he's a shut down corner. He's not a first or second round pick. He could be a third or fourth round pick. With that size to match up against those giant wide receivers, a lot of teams have. He can run a four four. I just think he checks a lot of boxes that teams are going to love. He's also got the fortune of salivate over that. Well, he's playing a position that you can never have too many of. That's what I always say, right? I mean, you can never have too many. Aiden O'Connell, I'm I'm seeing – I do see him – when I say see him, I don't mean my own prognostication. I mean, I have been reading that there's anticipation that he could be a, you know, what, a second or third day drafted quarterback, probably somewhere like – what, what do you think? Sixth, seventh round is essentially what I hear somewhere in there. Is that too late for him? If he gets picked at all, I think that's where you could see O'Connell go, Durham go, you know, Jalen Graham go as well, uh, Charlie Jones. I think all those guys, if they get picked, outside of Corey Trice, I think everybody else said if they get picked, it's probably, yeah, sixth or seventh round pick, a, a last day of the draft pick, if you will. Um, it just takes one team to fall in love with you. And we all know the, the struggle to get quarterbacks in the NFL. We all know Aiden O'Connell's pluses and minuses. I think there's enough pluses there to, for, for a team to want to at least not have to compete to sign him as a free agent. It's to go ahead and draft him and secure him so he can get on your roster. Um, just to be a great locker room guy as well. So uh, a fun story. And, and again, a lot, a lot of fun stories. You talked about Payne Durham, too. He's a guy just doesn't run very well, right? But He's the kind of guy you just got to turn on the film and watch him. Um, catches, he's physical, good red zone guy, good third and short guy. And, uh, again, I think he'd be another good locker room guy, too, for any team. Tom, last one for me. And, again, Tom Deanhart is with us here, covers Purdue for On3.com. You had some news yesterday from the Pro Day that Milton Wright, who I think a lot of fans will remember, he had a really nice 21 season for the Boilers, academically, academically ineligible last year, a pretty highly rated recruit when he came out, um, that he could be returning to the team, and that would be very beneficial to Hudson Card, assuming he is the quarterback for Purdue next fall. So, um, I think it goes without saying, you bring in a new quarterback, whoever it's going to be, uh, Milton Wright would be a nice guy to get back in the program. First, make no mistake about it, Hudson Card is going to be the quarterback, number one. And I almost fell off the bleachers when I heard about Milton Wright. Um, I was talking to one of the Purdue uh, football staff support guys 
and asking about, hey, is anybody working out that's, that's not on the team? Like they bring in some small school guys, guys from Butler, American College. He goes, no, but we got Milton Wright in today. I said, what? And sure enough, he was out there kind of helping us catch passes for Aiden O'Connell. But you're right. Well-documented academic casualty. Certainly could have used him last year. Look, there's a lot of work still to be done. I don't want to get anybody's hopes up too high. But the wheels are in motion. He's making an effort. You know, he did not leave the university on real good terms. So uh, he's still got a big hill to climb. But, again, he's at least efforting to climb that hill. And I'll tell you what, guys. Purdue's got 10 or 12 receivers on scholarship. None are as good as Milton Wright. And they certainly need a wide receiver. If he was Zilk, a guy who could really take the top off a of defense. Tom, I want to go back to basketball real quick before we let you go. And that is, Kevin and I were just talking about this during the break. This is the time of year where we start hearing, you know, NBA prospects and who's going to come out and who's, you know, who's returning, et cetera. I think it's interesting and fascinating that with Purdue, you have the consensus college basketball player of the year. I realize that Zach Eady's game does not necessarily translate to the way they play in today's NBA. That's not to say there aren't plenty of places overseas or elsewhere where he can make a lot of money. I've heard nothing about Zach Eady's return or non-return next year for Purdue. Where do things stand there? I just tell you that the, the stuff I hear, the people I talk to, there there is a chance. Uh, I, I think a better than a 50-50 chance that he does return next year. You, you referenced the lack of being an NBA prospect. That is true, at least a high-level prospect, if at all. Bobby could, like you say, make money overseas. <clears throat> I think he enjoys the college experience and um, the BMOC experience, if you will. And uh, I think they're going to try to get something together to keep Zach and West Lafayette next year. If that happens, of course, you know, you only lose David Jenkins maybe a couple other guys transfer. Regardless, this is a team that could be at least a top-five team going into next year. I'm getting way ahead of myself. I'm <laughs> a top-five team. Maybe preseason number one. So, again, I, I think that there's a chance. I don't think Zach's a sure thing to leave after this year. But people that, that, that I know sort of in and around the, the program and some other entities that, that like I said, that there's, there's going to be a good, strong effort to try to keep Zach and West Lafayette for that senior year. Tom, thanks for the insight. Again, Purdue and Rutgers coming up at noon. Spring practice on the horizon. Pro day yesterday, so a lot going on on on3.com. Great stuff, Tom. Thank you. Take care, fellas. Tom Deanhart right there on the Payless Slickers hotline. Jake, if Purdue were to be preseason number one next year, I hope it goes better than how it went for North Carolina this year. Boy, you're not kidding. What did I see? Carolina would be, I think, the fifth or sixth ever team if they don't make the tournament, to go from they are number not one preseason to not making the tournament. Kansas was the last, I believe, um, like 15 or 20 years ago. But, yeah, that's – and, you know, and I hope – you know, I like Hubert Davis. Seems like a nice guy. Hope it works out. But it is so hard to tell sometimes how great a coach is if he inherits a really good roster that's kind of set in place, right? And – they were great last year in the tournament. They weren't necessarily great in the regular season, but they were great in the tournament. And, I mean, ever since halftime of the national championship game, it's been an uphill climb. Seriously. Right? Yep. That's a great, great point. Is that PBR still crisp? It is heaven on this Friday morning in studio. <laughs> we are eating Long's Donuts. We are drinking crisp PBR. The cough button, the burp button has been a little bit frequent. Full transparency. Take you behind the scenes here into the studio. Uh, we're celebrating the Pacers winning a 30th game and 
I, may, I don't know, maybe it's just books, but you know, from an educational standpoint, helping out the causes for Rosie and Max as they move forward in their education endeavors. Jordan Cornett, one of my favorites, going to join us in about 10. And obviously a freebie Friday for the pop quiz coming up at 9.30. Kevin Aquari right here, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Slamming beers and donuts. <laughs> Should be a Friday Speak ritual. Speak for yourself. Mark and I... Jake is. Are you babysitting? I guess it's fitting. A week after we yeah, babysat you, Jake is babysitting us. Here to round out the week on this Friday, we are celebrating Pacers their thirtieth win of the season last night. Mark, I just logged in again, man. Nothing in the account. I'm telling you, end of the season. Gosh, that's a long wait. You gotta wait till the Masters. Do you want to know what I'm doing that shows my neuroticism? I think I'd mentioned this before, but last weekend I was in St. Pete for the IndyCar race, and the race goes right around Al Lang Stadium, which is the home stadium for the Tampa Bay Rowdies, which is a soccer club in the exact same league as the Indy 11. Al Lang Stadium. Oh boy, you got an Indy 11 rant coming? Al Lang Stadium, by the way. Holds 7,500 people. It was built in 1947. Now, I'm going to name some other teams in this league. You tell me when to stop. Just pick one randomly. Uh, Oakland, Phoenix, Louisville, Memphis, Miami. Which one do you want? Let's go Miami. Miami. Okay, the Miami FC, they play in... Ricardo Silva Stadium, uh, which is part of Florida International. So it was built in 1994. It does seat 20,000 people, but it is also the football stadium for Florida International University. Give me one more team. Memphis. Home of T.Y. Hilton. Memphis. Memphis plays in AutoZone Park, um, which is the home of the Memphis Redbirds triple a club it seats ten thousand people so so far we have yet to find one that is exclusive to the soccer club or one that seats over ten thousand right like uh the other one i saw i'm glad we're drinking beer and eating donuts i saw another i saw another one that holds 3500 people i just think a one billion dollar complex that holds twenty thousand people is a little aggressive by the louisville fc louisville fc that's a good one actually because that you would think they play in lynn family stadium a soccer specific stadium thank you there we go um opened in 2020 11 000 people cost 65 million dollars is the size a reflection of trying to go to the mls well, if they want to go to the MLS, that's cool. I don't know who's going to pay the $250 million entry fee um, or how Cincinnati or Kansas City or St. Louis or Chicago are going to feel about it, but that's cool. Cam asks, Again, $65 million stadium that opened two years ago that is soccer-specific. Cam asked, do we think a decision on Matt Ryan will be made today? Cam, I would guess sometime between now and really a week from today, the deadline, or I shouldn't say the deadline, but those roster bonuses, $17.2 million in roster bonuses, kick in for Matt Ryan next Friday. We're just getting a head start on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. 
today. That's simply what we're doing, right? Yeah. Next Friday is St. Patrick's Day. That's when those $17.2 million in roster bonuses kick in for Matt Ryan. So at some point in the next week, that is when I think you would do that. Again, right now, about $12 million in cap space for the Colts. You know, you can get that up to around 35, maybe even 40 if you part ways with Matt Ryan, part ways with Nick Foles, Ryan Kelly and Kenny Moore. I think there are a couple other names that you have to look long and hard at. Obviously, you would need to replace. There's always, Kevin, a surprise cut too, right? The thing is, Ballard has not typically done this. Uh, They've been in a pretty good cap situation, but I think it's something you have to explore and I do think Ballard hinted at it a little bit more. Again, we're going to find out. Monday. Monday at noon is when some of the fireworks can begin. Wednesday at 4 is the official start to the new league year. But we're going to start to get a little bit of some answers on if Chris Ballard's stubbornness will change starting early next week. I don't know if Mark's PBR needs a cap on it or a, a sippy. No, it's board. gone. It's gone. I was going to say, you've been nursing that thing for oh, two please. hours. Mark, we've got three more over here. If you would like, <laughs> oh, I don't know. Okay. If, you know, we could be pushing a lot of buttons here in the final hour of Lots of show. animal sounds coming at you the final hour. <laughs> yeah, Bobcat and Peacocks coming at you here in the final hour. Jordan Cornette, one of my favorites from ESPN. Former Mike Bray player. Looking forward to the conversation with Jordan Cornette next. Jake, our next guest, one of my favorites. Him and his family, I'd say, played a... Uh, somewhat, you know, pivotal role in some favorite memories of mine in young childhood years. Listen, no disrespect to Jordan, but his brother Joel is one of my all-time favorites, man. Jordan Cornette joins us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Jordan, let's just begin right there. I've told you this before, but every time we have you on, I feel like it's worth repeating. I think we were the Miami Hurricanes one year at Butler Basketball Camp, and your brother was my coach, and I was certainly one of the worst players on the team, but your brother, anytime I threw my body in there to somewhat act like I was taking a charge, him with the officiating whistle would reward me for putting my body in there and then pick me up and carry me to the other end of the floor celebrating the defensive play that I had just made. And for like a 10-year-old kid, there was no cooler moment at that uh, at that time in my life. And, and you know what, guys? It's going to be on with you guys. It's been a while, um, so I'm excited to be catching up with you guys. I appreciate the intro as well, but I always smile. You know, when I think about it, I, I just got home from Greensboro for the ACC tournament and then I'm in studio here for the weekend. And I just landed back, just got to my house, saw my kids, gave them a kiss. They're out running around doing their thing. And my wife said, how was work? And I said, you know, it was good down there. And I said, this is my favorite part of the year, no matter how busy it is, because it's it's busy as all get out for all of us, as you guys well know. But it always makes me think of my brother this time of the month and, and everything that goes on around it and all the stories. So being on here with you guys is just another element to – how much I love this time because it's the closest I feel to my brother at any time. And it was so fun. You know, let's begin with this, Jordan. And for those that are unaware, Joel Cornett, the butler star, the brother that we're talking about, I know you, you refer to him as Joey, but, you know, I, I think so many people around here remember this time of year, the famous quote, you know, of nobody watched us, everybody counted us out, nobody was talking about this game, and we are still here. That's the quote that I always remember. Get chills seeing it. So let's begin with this, Jordan. Give me a school or schools heading into this year's tournament that nobody is talking about, but they are really gelling together, and it would not surprise you if come the second weekend we're like, hey, you know what? 
they're hanging around, and if you'd paid attention, you would have seen it coming because they picked this time of year to play their best basketball. Yeah, you know, it's it's really interesting. I can give you a variety of teams. Um, one of them would be Vanderbilt if they're able to get in out of the SEC, which I think with their win yesterday, they should have uh, <clears throat> punched the ticket. They're a very dangerous team. In the last 10 games, what they've done, Coach Stackhouse has a group that buys it defensively. They can score it. <clears throat> they've, got athlete, they've got long athletes on the roster. I think that could be one of those teams. Uh, this is going to make everybody laugh, uh, but I'll go with the Blue Blood as well. I just got done watching them, and I think everybody's counted out the ACC in its entirety, but Duke looks incredible right now. Duke looks like a team that's ready to go on a crazy run. Now, if my brother heard me answer that question <laughs> with the Duke Blue Devils, uh, I think he would want to get his hands on me as quick as possible. So I'll give you now a mid-major as well, and that's College of Charleston. They can play at a really fast pace, but they can operate in the half court. It's a very connected group that shares it, always assisting on all their field goals. A uh, team that lo- locates a block out good with outlets, do all the fundamental things. And quite honestly, College of Charleston, Pat Kelsey's group there reminds me most of Butler during those primed underdog chip on the shoulder years. Jordan Cornett from ESPN. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Jordan, Jake, my co-host, Mark, our producer, they get tired of me quite a lot for my Notre Dame basketball fandom. Um, it's a bit exhausting to them. Um, <laughs> There's so few of you. There, there, are not ma- out there. there are not many of us. I was one inside of the RCA Dome for what you guys accomplished back in 2002, I remember the shaved heads and your defensive effort against Bruce Pearl in round one and getting to the Sweet 16. And honestly, it was one of my favorite moments, really, of, of fandom, period. But obviously, <laughs> things have changed. Um, I guess first, before we get into the future in South Bend, what did Mike Bray mean to you? You know, I, I, to me, he, he was everything, guys, that a, a player-coach relationship should be. I think that's changed a lot in this NIL transfer portal era with how coaches feel like they have to interact with a kid to keep them on their roster. And with all the NIL, which gets in the way of true bonding and relationship building. But for me, it was. I was a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, deer-in-headlights 18-year-old that committed to Matt Doherty, and he ended up leaving for Carolina. But you commit to a school and a program, not a coach, And so I ended up recommitting to Coach Bray and investing right back into the program. And so he went from a guy who was legitimately a guy I was nervous to be around because he was a college basketball coach to a guy I grew into this great relationship over my four years, player-coach, that would be a teacher and a mentor, to a guy when I got out of college became a close friend, you know, helped me get into this business, you know, helped me with, you know, different connections along the way. And uh, would be a guy I'd lean on for advice. And I think, to me, that's what player-coach relationships should be. Not, what can you do for me in the four years you're there, but what can you mutually do for each other for a relationship that should foster your entire time on this planet after you've come engagement, in engagement with each other? And I think I really cherish that because it reaffirmed my decision to go to Notre Dame and everything that felt right about it. So he's not done coaching. I think George sounds in the mix. We'll see what happens. Uh, but he's still got a, another chapter on the sidelines left in him. Obviously, last year it was a pretty special kind of 48-hour run. I mean, they were a couple of defensive stops away from making the Sweet 16. But I, I don't think you can argue things had gotten a bit stale in the last handful of years there. 
Um, what does that program need from an injection standpoint at this point? I mean, Kevin and Jake, that's exactly what they need. They need an injection of life. I mean, they need a passionate guy that's going to come in there and do the rah-rah stuff and that's going to that's going to try and, you know, reignite a fan base, but also gets the personnel who you got to bring into a school like that, the shortcomings. I mean, Notre Dame's not the easiest job, and I think a lot of people are going to appreciate exactly what Coach Bray did in his, 20, in his 23 years when a new guy comes in and has to learn the scope of it first. But the beauty of college basketball now is you can build a roster in the snap of a finger. You go get a couple transfer guys, you go get a big-name guy through recruiting, and you're right back on top. I watched the Pitt basketball team in the ACC be horrible. A dormant group for a lot of years. Cable got a few transfers, and here he is. So it's possible. So does Mike Bra- – if Notre Dame needs, like let's say, just that jolt of energy, Jordan, because I think the world of Mike Bray as well, is it possible Mike Bray just needs a change of scenery? In other words, whatever energy it was that was evading him at the end at Notre Dame, would he be able to recapture it at a new setting like a Georgetown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no doubt, Jake. I mean, you don't just forget how to coach. You know that as well as anybody. Like, I just think it ran out there. I, I think – for example, the uh, best way I can describe it to the listener is you can be married happily for a decade and everything be great, and it can end up going wrong. It doesn't mean that person can never be a good husband or wife again. And so to me, Coach Bray just ran out of gas there. The formula was no longer working. I don't know if the relationships you know, inside the walls were uh, primed as they were before for everybody to get that thing going at the high level it had for so long. And I think if not, I think I know him getting the right fit, which would, I mean, think about Georgetown is to mathematize the DMV. I mean, Coach Bray is a rock star in those parts. To be able to recruit there, Georgetown being an institution similar to Notre Dame in terms of the obstacles, if there was a job for Coach Bray to seamlessly step into after Notre Dame, it would 100% beat Georgetown. It'll be interesting to see if they make what I would believe to be the most proper hire for the Hoyas. So what about Notre Dame? You believe they turn where? I, I think there's a, a bunch of guys on the list. Um, some names you, you would think of that are, that are floating out there. I mean, one guy that I think should be at the very top of that list, and, and I, I would imagine he is, is a guy, Chris Quinn, who's on the staff there with the Miami Heat. I love it. <laughs> and he, he's right there. Yeah, he's right there. Under, he's a Pat Riley-made man. And I think if you have that under your, under your belt – uh, you have a lot of gravitas, and you, you have a lot of clout. And so Chris being one of Notre Dame's own, played with him for two years. He's one of the most principled, disciplined, bright basketball mind guys who understands what it takes to win there. That, that's what I'd feel comfortable sharing that I think everybody can agree should be on a list. Jordan Cornett is our guest. He's on the Payless Sickers Hotline. Of course, he is with ESPN. Jordan, as we enter the, the tournament here, and I know that there's still Big Ten tournament games to be played, but – Let's talk about Purdue and Indiana. I'm going to start with Purdue. Zach Eady got out. You know, Purdue got off to an unbelievable start on the year, partially because I think Zach Eady is just such an anomaly, and teams really couldn't figure out how to to guard that. And then in the Big Ten, they started seeing people the second time through, and I think teams had a little bit better idea how to guard Purdue. Is it possible in the NCAA tournament when you're going up against teams that are still unfamiliar with Purdue, as a player, you would know this, 
Can you learn just from tape of watching teams and say, you know what, the blueprint is out there and here's what we need to do to, to counter this? Or is it a completely unknown now for new teams, which means advantage Purdue, because tape and reality are two different things? Tape and reality are two different things. I mean, it's the same reason why Houston's always dangerous. You can say, oh, we're going to prepare all week for Houston's ball pressure and how they play but you don't have the personnel to go do it. And show me somebody who has on the roster a seven foot four guy you can prepare to send all week to then go out there and defend that guy all week. So <clears throat> Zach Eadie's going to get his, and that's why they're going to be positioned. But I, I got to be honest, guys, I, I'm not a fan of their perimeter and what it takes to win a national championship. Bingo. I think that I think that perimeter is overachieved this year. But to me, you need pros in your backcourt. You need pros on your perimeter to go win this title. Uh, that's just been historically shown as you go through and look at the past teams. You got to have some 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 first round, second round talent on there, and quite frankly, Purdue doesn't have that. Those kids have overachieved. They're going to be great college basketball players. They've been good for the most part of this year, but they're starting to get exposed here down the stretch, and I, I think that's going to hold Purdue back. Again, Jordan Cornette with us here. Obviously, you hear him on ESPN, ACC Network. He was on the call for Notre Dame earlier this week in the ACC tournament. I, I think based off what you just said, Jordan, I might know your answer to this, but it's a question we've thrown out here locally, so I'll, I'll toss it to you. If you had two things to bet on right now, Purdue making the Elite Eight or Indiana making the Sweet 16, which one would you feel more confident in? I don't know if I'm trying to impress my wife and get, get in her good graces. I've been gone all week with two She's kids. She's an IU grad, two. right? She's an IU grad. She's standing right next to me. <clears throat> I'm coughing on my eggs as I say this. <laughs> I think Indiana could get to a Final Four. I really do think they could do it. I think when you've got a built-in bucket getter with his back to the basket in turbulent times that can neutralize your offense, slow the game down a get you wanted Trace Jackson Davis, teams that can pursue twos consistently in a tournament matter. They have that. They have a first-round lottery talent on the perimeter in Hood Shafino, and they've got guys that champion their roles around them. Look, I'd love for Indiana to have been consistent down the stretch, but they won a lot down the stretch. They had some head scratchers, obviously. I think it was the Iowa game. But I look at this group and say, look, I, I love Galloway. I love Miller Cop. I think this group is built to do something serious this year, and I think they, they might have something special. And I, I want you to tell me if you think I'm – Totally off base here, Jordan. I We know what you're going to get night in and night out out of Trace Jackson Davis, who has been spectacular. To me, the most critical piston to be firing in sync is Jalen hood Shafino because I think no they they can kind of go as he goes. You can overcome an off night with of Trace Jackson Davis. I'm not sure Indiana can overcome an off night from Jalen hood Shafino. Your thoughts? No, and it's a lot to put on a young guy, right? <clears throat> I get I get all that, and he's the most ball-dominant guy because he's the best off the bounce to create. But he's also a first-round talent. And I've just seen too much in this tournament, as you guys have, a guy that can make things happen with the ball that has that elite-level talent if he has other pieces around him, like a sturdy veteran bucket-getter walking double-double guy, TJD, I think it puts him in position to not feel like the weight of the world is on him. I think he can put together a string of games good enough to at least get them to a second weekend. And then from there, you just quite simply never know. Jordan Cornette from ESPN with the here. Jordan, I know it's a super, super busy time of year. Like you said, in studio now as you're back from the ACC tournament. Um, I do have to end with this. I, whose idea was it to shave the heads before the RC, RCA Dome tournament <laughs> for the Irish? 
Was that a Chris Thomas thing? It was so funny. It was a Chris Thomas and me thing. It was the two freshmen on the team. Uh, but when you're, when you're a guy who averages about 15 minutes a game and the other guy's a freshman All-American, uh, you lead with his voice. So I kind of was just like, Chris, we should do this. Chris, to be the point guard, convince everybody, even the pretty boys on the team, and guys like Maddie Carroll to do it. But it was one of the – it was, for the longest, the best moment in Coach Prey's career. Sure. Until he, t- until he took that thing, as you well know, to another level – with the Elite Eight to the 2015 ACC Championship. But it's moments like that that make me think about, look, of course it's all about Coach Bray and and his 23 years of leaving, but it's also a a lion's share of that emotion behind it was those stories with those guys and that brotherhood of 72 guys that Coach uh, had on his teams in those 23 years. And I'll, I'll leave it with this. like, And, Jake, you get this having played, man. Like, you know what it's like. Like, for me, I did that last game. I was on the sidelines for Coach Prey in his last one. And so when they lost that game at the end to Virginia Tech, it happened fast. And I got the chance to go into the locker room with that Notre Dame team for Coach Prey's last game in that loss at Greensboro. I walked in there, I saw Coach, and I just burst out in tears. And I got to be honest, it wasn't about Coach Bray and him leaving and the impact he had on me, although he had a big one. It was about my life flashing before my eyes. An 18-year-old, now 39, and what it's meant to see him on the sidelines for 21 years and all the experiences playing sport has afforded me. And for that, I'm forever grateful. I know athletes are getting paid. I know NIL is a thing and all these things. And to a, to a degree, I believe in it. But those moments that we have as former student-athletes are priceless, and we're so blessed to have stuff like that in our life means free tickets for Georgetown. That's what that means, Kev. Next year, right? <laughs> I, I hope so. And a steak dinner in D.C., more importantly. That's uh, right. Jordan, really well said. Your brother was one of a kind. And, again, a small dose of being around him uh, certainly made my childhood. Thank you for the time this morning, man. Have a great rest of March. Guys, I appreciate you having me on. My brother's going to be so pissed I said Indiana to a Final <laughs> Four, too. I, I've, really, I've really done the Cornette family name really bad here. I'm going to have to make up for it in the tone. You guys, I appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you soon. See you, Jordan. Jordan Cornette right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I don't know if he's cracked a PBR or two talking about Jake's playing career, though. I, hey, come on On this now. Friday morning. I walked on as a freshman, broke my foot. That counts, right? Who was the coach when you were at Kansas? Was it Larry Brown? Williams. Roy Williams' second year. It, to be fair, they have a at the University of Kansas. They had what they call a JV team, and the JV team is essentially eight guys they take that are practice players to just strictly be guys, kind of glorified student managers. But they do play exhibition games again. There are so many junior colleges in the state of Kentucky or the state of Kansas: Hutchinson Junior College, Garden City Junior College, which is where Keith Smart came from, Dodge City, um, Haskell. Indian Junior College, so they those eight guys play those a schedule of those games. But for the most part, you're a glorified practice player. And they had an open tryout, and I was I made that team. And then second practice broke the fifth metatarsal of my left foot. That was the end of that. So that counts, right? That's where good feet came in handy. That's right. That's exactly right. Thank you. You're welcome. Just as soon as he said it, I'm like, man, I've had, you know, I'm pretty much done with beer number two, but I thought I heard that correctly there. I'm, I'm cool with that. He does his research, I guess. He knows that you're a walk-on. I'm cool with that. Uh, Jordan Cornette. He's more like a limp on. Again, one of my favorite memories, Notre Dame beating Illinois in round two of the RCA Dome. 
Do you have any memories of that, Jake? RCA Dome 2002? Dwayne no, Wade and Marquette beat Missouri in the other the, game The RCA there? Dome games that, that I vividly recall in the NCAA tournament, aside from the Final Fours, was the Louisville-Delaware game where I became an honorary Blue Hen. Uh, that was in 93. In 96, I think it was. Scotty's in here now, so he'll remember this. Princeton knocked off UC- 96 or 97. Princeton knocked out UCLA, so that would have been 97 because UCLA was the defending champion. I thought it was six. Um, or 96, yeah, because UCLA won at 95, yeah. And then um, I remember – well, I mean, I was going to say, obviously, the 97 Final Four, but Illinois and Ball State both made it here in 89, and a lot of Indiana fans, myself included, were livid because they thought Indiana should have been the number one seed because they won the Big Ten, but Illinois swept Indiana, and thus the flying line, I got the number one seed. Yeah, 13-year-old me, when they did the I-L-L-I-N-I chant, I just kept on saying L. <laughs> thought it was creative at the time that is luckily jordan Cornette and company backed it up notre dame then got smoked in the elite eight by, or in the sweet 16 by arizona ironically enough but that was still a fun time mike bray's early years all right so we've got a freebie friday do you for have pop- another donut for scotty pop quiz scotty I mean, hell man what do you want you want three pbrs we got six donuts left sean copeland said no really a member of the janitorial staff said yes so we haven't had a lot of takers yet. Sean Copeland turned down a Long's he, Donut? He, he started waving his hands. He was on air. No, Kevin, no. I was like, okay, all right. No donuts. He started throwing beers at him. Maybe Good he discipline. wanted the PBR instead. Should I go back Solid in there with the PBR? Discipline. Yeah. Maybe Sean Copeland's yeah. more of a PBR individual. All right, pop quiz, like I said, coming up in about 5 or 10. Freebie Friday on that. Paul Casaro, University of Indianapolis Greyhounds there. Special season continues in hosting the regional coming up tomorrow. He's invited the PBR party. Oh, without question. Out question. Um, he's going to join us here to close out things. But for now, more than check down. We'll begin in the association. Last night, the Pacers 134-125 over the Houston Rockets. Had to go to overtime to do it, but the Pacers got Kevin his 30th win of the year. We've only been talking about it all season long, that over-under wager that Kevin had made. Tyrese Halliburton was the hero for the Bowen family pocketbook. 29 and 19 assists. That is a career high in assists, by the way, for Tyrese Halliburton. Miles Turner added 21 and Jabari Smith 30 and 12 for the Rockets. Jabari Smith, that was kind that of a coming out party hit. for him. Yeah. And boy, that... You know, it was one of those things where Houston inbounded it late. I forget how much exact time was on the clock, but it was one of those situations where I thought the Pacers might foul, and Jabari Smith just fade away three. Really difficult shot, but he wanted to get it off quick to avoid the Pacers trying to foul. He hits that three. He hit it with four seconds left. Four to go, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Halliburton had a look at the end, kind of lost the ball going up, probably some contact, but then in overtime took over. Two assists early in the period and then had 12 points in the OT. The closer, once again, is there. The other big news from last night on the unfortunate side was Benedict Matherin going down late first quarter, right ankle sprain, looked pretty darn severe. George Hill and James Johnson literally had to carry him to the locker room, not help him, like carry him to the locker room. Rick Carlisle, the update afterwards, sounds like Mather unlikely to play as they are at Detroit tomorrow, at Detroit again on Monday. Jake, with a month to go in the season, if he's going to be out for a couple weeks, don't you just sit him? I was Assuming so. they don't I, make the play. I would think so, right? I mean, you know, he's gotten plenty of minutes. He's gotten plenty of, of things. to, And we've seen this in the past with, with players early in their career that end up getting kind of shelf just to make sure 
that everything's A-OK. So. We saw it earlier in the year with Chris Duarte, you know, missing a month with a pretty severe ankle sprain. So at Detroit, Saturday night for the Pacers. All losses all the way the rest of the All losses, yep. 15 want. losses to close out the season. Move up the Tankathon standings. Big Ten tournament so far, the teams that have won the home jersey in the United Center, they've been the one losing. Five of six wins so far by the higher-seeded teams. So for today, those matchups look like as followed in the quarterfinals. Purdue hosting Rutgers at noon. Michigan State versus Ohio State to follow. And then in the evening session, you'll have Northwestern and Penn State. And then the nightcap will be Indiana and Maryland. Jake Purdue favored, I think, five and a half, six and a half, kind of fluctuating there over Rutgers. Indiana favored by one and a half over Maryland. I think the the bigger curveball here is Rutgers because Maryland has really struggled away from home. And Rutgers... The way that they guard and the way that they play, they've been kind of a kryptonite for Purdue. Rutgers is the team that would give me more pause between those two, but we shall see, right? The silver lining for Purdue, at the very least, would be if they don't win the Big Ten tournament, okay, you take your two seed, you take your rest, you get healthy. And so that's the spin cycle that teams go with. If we lose early in the Big Ten tournament, Correct. say we need rest. No, but you hear a lot of people say that, right? Like, well, you know, it's not a bad thing. I mean, wasn't that always like the Bob Knight, Indiana thing? Well, you know, I, know. I, mean, I mean, these mean, these tournaments, see, you get in there, and then, I mean, I just don't understand why we play a regular season. So, need more F-words if we're going to do a Bob Knight. How, how many Big Ten tournament titles for Purdue? Two? One? Uh, they beat Indiana and won them, didn't they? Uh, of titles. The titles. Well, was that in the title game? Wasn't it? Uh, yeah. I thought They Purdue... won one of them with Etwan Moore and company, I think. Brad Miller won one, right? So that would have been two, right? Yeah. Uh, Ball State, Jake, not a good end of the season. In terms of number of Big Ten tournament championships for Indiana, uh, that would be what's in your box there, right? Uh, Correct, yes. uh And you're referencing donuts. (laughs) (laughs) Phrasing, please. Yeah, uh yes, donuts. There are six donuts left, but I think Jake was talking about the shape of said donuts. We're on the same wavelength, shockingly, here. Friday at 9.30. Uh, Jake, four straight losses to end <laughs> Michael Lewis's promising first season, but boy, that was ugly yesterday. Yeah, not pretty tournament. yesterday. Ohio all over Ball State as the Bobcats, 90-70 winners. you got to wonder for Ohio, you know, they're 19-13, and 13, obviously not going to get an at-large, but uh, perhaps that motivation of the MAC tournament, Ball State now seemingly would be an NIT, uh, NIT club, 20-12 and 12 is what they finished so, the season. Just two, right, from the state of Indiana? Going to dance? Yeah, I think that's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the mid-majors are done. That's right. Obviously, I don't know if Notre Dame's resume or Butler's resume will get a lot of debate in the room. Also correct, yes. Yeah. So our uh, over would not have hit then, because I think we both said over two and a half. Yeah, that was a question I kept on throwing to Rake mm-hmm. throughout the year. And we thought Indiana State, we thought yeah. Ball State potentially yeah. at times there. But it'll just be two in the men's tournament coming up. And is Purdue women going to make it? I- Notre Dame women for sure, IU women. I know Katie Gerald's company, they had a big win in the Big Ten tournament, Big Ten women's tournament, so we'll see about the boilers there. The women's bracket announced on Sunday evening as well. All right, it is time for the pop quiz. It is Freebie Friday, 317-239-1070. That is a Jiffy Lube prize pack going your way. I just had my ninth beer burp of the morning. (laughs) That's better than your ninth beer. Well, yeah, that is good news. And Mark has recovered. What a what a recovery by Mark. I know. Powered through. Might need a refresher. One day they will say Willis Reed, Paul Pierce, Mateen Cleaves, Mark Dykton. 
Anything is possible. <laughs> okay. 707 this morning. We thought Mark might be down for the count. He's a resurrected things. And here he is. Well, it is, it is Lent season. Looks like I'm giving a ride. It is Lent home. season. I've risen. <laughs> uh, all right. Pop quiz next. Through at 7239-1070. Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. What do you think, Jake? Easy? What is today's date? March 10th. 10th. Remember how I let off the show? Are we looking at the March 10th Pop Quiz or are we doing yesterday's? We're doing yesterday's. A slight there tweak, right? Uh, okay. I've n- here we go. So I'm looking at it for the first time is what I'm getting at. Uh, the first one is a total layup. I, I don't even get the first one, Scotty. Why? Second one is it would be an open layup, but you never know when Tayshawn Prince might block oh, it. Oh, Jesus. I mean, come on. Uh, third one, easy. The pronunciation could trip you up. Have some integrity here. Have all right, Mark. Just turn off his mic. <laughs> I try to all the time. Fourth, it's just like a hug. It is amazing how many times, like during a show, the mic is off. I know, and he blames me, but I don't touch it. I, I don't. Do you think I even have the intellectual capability to turn a mic on and off? I mean, I have one now skill set that in my that life. That's a bold question to, to ask yes. after we both had a beer and we <laughs> might be a little more honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's take that offline. All right. 317-239-1070 for the pop quiz. Again, freebie Friday. It's a Jiffy Lube oil change. No matter what happens here on the pop quiz after Jake just spoon fed you the first three answers. And Nobody's then, listening, he, Kevin. No, I I turned his did mic he say what? Out. A windbreaker for number four? Probably no, I turned off his mic for number four. Um, all right, Jake. Number one through eight. Uh, we'll go with... I'll go with two. Two. Uh, this is Jimmy. I don't know if this is good, oh, Jimmy. Good Jimmy, Jimmy on his way to Chicago for the Big Ten Tournament. Jimmy, good morning. Exactly. It's Kenny, but that's cool enough. Kenny's Jimmy fine. Works. Kenny's cool. Okay, Kenny. Kenny, good morning to you. Good morning, fellas. Kenny, have you called the program before? Absolutely. Uh, you sound like a nice fella, Kenny. Uh, do, you, do you more often have people call you Ken or Kenneth? Uh, probably Ken. Okay. Important and people call me Ken. It's like my wife and my pastor, stuff like that. How old were you oh, before okay. people quit making Barbie jokes? Oh, they still do, bro. <laughs> that, that, that never goes away, bro. That's just part of the part of life. Are you Jeff Saturday in another life with dropping bro this early in the in the? Uh... Oh, Dude, bro's like a second language to me. Oh, now, speaking of, speaking of can I call you Kenneth? We just have questionable one there. Sure, yeah. sure. I'm a Kenneth. Okay, all right, Kenneth. Good Friday morning to you. Thanks for calling us, um, Kenneth. Who's your favorite athlete of all time? Uh, probably. Uh, Jimmy Harbaugh. Oh wow! Okay, God. I like how Kenneth calls him Jimmy. <laughs> like you know, you know, Jimmy Harbaugh's wife calls him James. Just so you know. Um, okay. Okay. Now, Kenneth, what line of work are you in? Uh, I work for B and J Mechanical. I do AC and uh, plumbing. Nice. That's cool. bit everything. So you get up at what time in the morning? <laughs> Probably about six thirty. You strike me as a, a like a hardworking, like a work ethic is something that has never been strange to you. You, you work hard, right? Yes, sir. Okay. And, what and part you, of town for you, Kenneth? What part of town? I actually live in Franklin. Okay, nice. Okay. 
Love Franklin. The Legends Golf Course is treated me very well over Last the Last question, Kenneth, before we get to the quiz here. Uh, how many minutes, hours, whatever segments of the day would you say that you hear this radio program? Oh, she's probably six or seven hours a day. Uh, six or seven hours of this show. We're only on for three. He replays it. Well, Kenneth, send me your address. Shows, we need to get you a all meter. The shows, all the shows combined about six. Okay. I listen to your guys' complete show every morning. Now, uh, Kenneth, if you had to pick one of the two of us, that would be, well, one of the three, me, Mark, or Kevin, to enjoy a cold PBR, which one would you pick? Uh, I got to go with you, buddy. Hell You're yeah. always trying to isolate this, yeah. this show. Aren't we a team All here? Right. Would you like for me, that would be so divisive. Uh, your buddy Jake, so to, or for so Kevin divisive. to lead you off with question number one, Kenneth? Uh, I'll go with Kevin because he sounds like he's a little butt hurt right now. <laughs> Jake, or Kenneth, just remember the ones <laughs> drinking a beer right now, Mark and I. <laughs> All right, Kenneth, I won't be butt hurt. How many games does an NBA team play in a full regular season? Uh... I'll say 87. 80, 82, 84, 86. Let's go 86. You're lucky I'll be the bigger man and throw the multiple choice at you. It's a good start, Kenneth. It's a great start. Question number two for you, Kenneth. Entering tonight's play, which NBA franchise, which, by the way, began in Fort Wayne, has the worst record? Would it be the Houston Rockets, the San Antonio Spurs, the Charlotte Hornets, or the Detroit Pistons? I'm going to go Houston. All right, number three. Jason Tatum scored 30 for the Celtics Wednesday night, giving him 36 30-point games this season. After a couple 16-ouncers, Scotty, that's a lot of words you're throwing in there for me. Just try to say the correct answer. most in Celtics history. Name the only Celtic, not named Bird, ahead of Tatum on the list of most 30-point games in a season. A, Kevin McHale, B, Paul Pierce, C, John Havlicek, or D, Reggie Lewis. Let's go, Paul Pierce. Okay. Kenneth, no shock here after what you said that you've started 0 for 3. Okay, try to bear this one. Uh, Jim Beheim is out after 47 years as the head men's basketball coach at Syracuse. He is currently second on the NCAA Division I list with 1,014 victories. That leaves him 188 behind Mike Krzyzewski, who currently is third on the all-time wins list for men's Division I basketball. Would it be Bob Knight, Bob Huggins, Jim Calhoun, or Roy Williams? Uh, let's do Roy Williams. I'm a big KU fan. Okay. Man. Rock Great Chalk. Kenny here. sniffing out these hints left and right. Number five. Again. Number five, Kenneth. The Tar Heels of North Carolina knocked out of the ACC tournament yesterday by Virginia. The loss puts the Heels, number one in the AP preseason poll, at risk of missing the NCAA tournament. Name the last preseason number one to miss the NCAA men's tournament. Much to the dismay of Norm Sloan. A, North Carolina. B, Indiana. C, North Carolina State. Or D, DePaul. Let's go North Carolina. North Carolina. Man, Kenneth. Yeah. Gosh, my heart breaks for you, man. Today I was really was a, hoping for five for five there. Well, he got it. Uh, today's a freebie <laughs> Friday, right? Thank God. Kenneth, stay on the line. You and Mark will have a nice interaction oh, after yeah. this one. Kenneth, I look forward to meeting you at the PBR party, man. Appreciate your listening to the station. Um, question number one, how many games in an NBA season? Correct answer is 82. <laughs> I mean, wrong what? answer. It's over, right? <laughs> what, yeah. What, what, what yeah, was I was going to say. Uh, what? 
doing? What, 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 I said we're doing what, animal sounds, and he got them all. Sounded like Krusty the Clown. He kind of like squeezed the nose. Do it! What, what, what is you don't get to come back tomorrow. I think you, you don't even get a lousy company, right? Our home game. This is destined to be You're a complete. I've got a feeling we're going to have a meeting. Wrong, 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 wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. <laughs> the Detroit you're Pistons. Wrong. You're wrong. Is question number two. It was John Havlicek for question number three. It was Huggy Bear, Bob Huggins for question number four. And Norm Sloan was the head basketball coach at North Carolina oh. State, which was question Do it one more time. <laughs> the guy who loves Jake goes 0 for 5. No shock there. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Now, After Jake had just spoon-fed him the first three answers. God, I love that sound. It's the best one. That's the bobcat, right? Yeah. That actually, that's just a You know what that Bob. means, man. We're getting to March Madness. It's animal sounds on Monday when we break down the bracket. I think Ball State fans are going to be pretty pissed after hearing that, right? Didn't the Bobcats? They did. Dominate yesterday. Do we have a Bruin sound? UCLA is going to be a sneak number one. Do we have, what is a Bruin sound? That's just a bear, right? How did St. Peter's do this year? Boy, that's a really good question. I'm going to guess, didn't all the guys get like NIL deals? And I mean, where did the one fella end up? You want the cocaine bear sound? We can do that. Okay. Okay. Uh, 14 and. That's just just Keith Hernandez. (laughs) 14 and 17 for St. Peter's. Spit on me. 7 and 13 in the conference. They will play, uh, I guess, their conference tournament game. Boy, are they going for the title game? Have they pulled off some upsets? <laughs> Wait a minute. Sounds like a nap. I what might was be the having. kid's name? Doug something that had the Eater. NIL deal. Doug Eater, right? Where did he end up? Did he end up at like he transferred Hofstra? somewhere? I, yeah, I don't think it was. It was like one of those schools in the Northeast. I think it was Hofstra, wasn't it? They're in the semifinals tonight against the Fighting Rick Smiths. By the way, hold on. Saint Peter's and Marist. Bryant. He went to Bryant, the Bryant Bulldogs. That's it. What's he averaging? Bryant in Rhode Island. Is that right? Bryant is in Rhode Island. My buddy Matt Jacklin, bingo card, mm-hmm. uh, applied nope. for school there. Need another bingo card. Doug Eater this year averaging five points and two rebounds <laughs> per game for Bryant. Saying the shine is off of him? <laughs> wow. So how about this? Out of the MAC, that's two A's, you're going to have Marist at 6-14 and 14 in the conference. Tenth beer burp of the day, playing Saint Peter, Saint Peter seven and thirteen. So that means one of them will be in the conference title game. If one of those teams wins, automatically they're going to Dayton. Automatically, twelve and nineteen Marist, fourteen and seventeen Saint Peter's. Do you think anybody's still listening? Well, hopefully some members of the Southside Brigade. Uh, Paul Casaro, can can people text me right now? And let me know if they're still tuned in. I, I th- personally, I have found this last twenty minutes enjoyable. But five two three ninety two eighty eight. That's my telephone number. If you want to text me and just confirm that we actually still have listeners at five two three ninety two eighty eight, and then it's on the Payless Liquors hotline where we're going to find the UND coach, right? Or just a congratulations and Jake actually working a full Friday <laughs> after last week. Paul Casaro, head coach of the Greyhounds, big big weekend for tournament play. They are hosting down at Nixon Hall. He joins us next. So we have at least a hundred people that, that were listening. And and Bart says, I don't know why I laugh at the animal sounds every time, but I do. Just Get ready for Monday's show then. <laughs> people are glimpses. Do we have a greyhound sound? 
No. Our next guest? I need to get one, though. You've got to have a Greyhound sound. I can get one. Whoosh. Hosting. That's a swoosh. What are you talking about? The Midwest region. Four games tomorrow. Nickerson Hall, University of Indianapolis, the number one seed. They will play at 5 o'clock. They win that. It'll be a 7.30 tip on Sunday. And if they win that, the Midwest Championship Tuesday at 7 o'clock. Been a special season down on the south side. Paul Costello might hang up on us. You asked for it. I'm just giving it to you. Sounded like least intimidating dogs. Those aren't greyhounds. I don't want a greyhound in That's distress. what it says. Paul Casaro joins us now, the head coach, again, of the greyhounds. Paul, um, I assume at the start of the year, you would have signed up for this? One seed hosting the Midwest region? Absolutely. Absolutely. If someone would have said that that's what it's going to be, I would have said, let's, let's, let's roll. Let's take it. And uh, we're really excited. I love the, uh, I love the Greyhound sound, by the way. Thank you. Coach, did that you... sound like a legit Greyhound no. to you? I, I mean, they were sitting on the there. couch. Yeah, they started barking. <laughs> Early in the morning, Greyhound. Luckily, you and he's going to play in the evenings, hopefully for the next three of the next four nights. Coach, you should have a pet Greyhound. Do you have a pet Greyhound? I, I don't, uh, but we do have a live. Uh, we do have a live mascot. Grady um, kind of took after Butler Blue as a live mascot, and he uh, he's there um, on the court as we do player introductions for every game, and our players come through the starting lap and you know pet him and all that kind of. Oh, stuff. I love here's, that. Here's my thought, and then you can fire me from your marketing department. You should get a live greyhound and name him uh, Nika, and then. When when he has puppy when he breeds puppies then you take then you take the male version of that and and you have a mascot which is uh, Nick a son. I, I think you're onto something. I think you're going to be retained. We're not firing you. Heck yeah, um, you don't have to Heck flatter yeah. him here on this Friday hey, morning. What time of year? Uh, at what point this season, Coach? Because the answer would hopefully be right now. But I'm curious your thought. When when has your team been playing its best basketball? You know, we, we, we've uh, we've won in different ways, so that's kind of a hard answer to ask. Like, in terms of we were we were kind of blowing teams out there in, in, in the January portion of the season, and, you know, some people would say then. But then, in, in, you know, probably early to mid-February, we were playing some really, really tough conference road games and, you know, grinding them out and, you know, winning in the last four minutes and really executing down the stretch, which is essentially what, you know, March basketball really is for basketball fans, and that's how you win in March. So um, I think there's been periods uh, throughout the year that we've won different ways, which uh, hopefully that makes us prepared for prepared for a run. Again, 26-4, and four, Paul Kassar, it's been a really special season for the University of Indianapolis Greyhounds. If they win this Midwest region, they will advance to Evansville for the final eight. That's how things work on the D2 front. Coach, if you look at the past couple of weeks, I know Missouri-St. Louis has gotten you twice. And you've mentioned winning in a variety of ways, so maybe there's not just one thing. But if you had to boil it down to, if we do this really well over the next four days, we'll make it to Evansville. What would that thing be for your team? If we come out and defend, uh, you know, with urgency, what I mean by that is uh, apply pressure for 94 feet. Uh, we're deep, we're long, we're athletic, we have some intense, hungry dudes. So if they come out that way and allow our defense to spark our offense, I think we'll be in great shape. Intense and hungry. It sounded like me this morning with the PBR and Long's Donuts. <laughs> Coach, I, I had to have a PBR early in the morning today just to celebrate the Pacers' 30th win, a little financial investment in that. If you guys were able to make it to the Midwest region, what would be the beer of choice to celebrate for Paul Casaro? 
<laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm a big blood orange IPA guy. So there's a lot of craft breweries in town who have those, and that'd probably be one of the, one of those from one of those places. <sighs> Sign me up for that. You know, I'm, I'm curious about this, Jake. Turn on your mic. I didn't turn it off. I'm curious about this, Coach. You got McKendry coming up here right tomorrow afternoon. Hot team. And then, uh-huh. as Kevin had mentioned, you win that, and you turn right back around, and you got to play again. Do you get to a point? in tournament play or in postseason play, can it be dangerous to dive too much into scouting the prospective opponent and trying to coach against them as opposed to simply making sure that you are doing what you guys do to the highest level of precision and then letting the chips fall where they may? I think you're spot on. I think um, you know you have to make it majority, majority about yourself uh, this time of year, you know, now McKenzie's a little different because, you know, we had a, you know, we've been able to prepare for them since Sunday. So I right. think you do that like a normal, uh, like a normal game, you know, about 50, 50 yourself and your opponent. But, uh, if we're fortunate enough to get through tomorrow, uh, you're right. It's going to be 80% us, 20% the opponents. And, you know, we got to do us and, and, uh, make sure that, you know, we're the best version of you, Indy. And let the chips fall, just like you said. Do you tighten your rotations at all this time of year? Or if I'm not mistaken, you've used, you know, you go pretty deep. Um, is there value in kind of knowing exactly what each guy on your on your team can bring? Or do you tighten it up a little bit? Yeah, I trust my guys. Um, you know, I, I think that's going to be something our, our staff talked about. But, you know, it, it's got us to this point. We're 26-4 and four by playing 11 guys. Uh, you know, we don't want to abandon our identity, but also probably have to have a better pulse uh, this time of year on who's hot and who's not, as opposed to scripting everything. You know, give everybody a chance, get everybody to get in there, and then, you know, make some decisions um, based off evaluating game flow. Paul, when you look at you guys, looking at Paul Casaros with the senior head coach of the University of Indianapolis Greyhounds, um, that second half in the conference tournament against Missouri and St. Louis, where it got away, how much of that was playing an overtime game the day before? How much of that was the opponent, seeing that they've got you a couple times? I know that's an opponent you could see here coming up this weekend. You know, Chris uh, and uh, Missouri St. Louis, they they played lights out on both sides of the ball, about as good as a team can play, and uh, they they. They, they they beat us, you know, handily. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, I just I don't think that we we stay true to our identity in a lot of in a lot of facets. We we you know we talked about that after the game. We uh, addressed it in the film session on on Tuesday, and I, I think our guys have a clear understanding of what happened, and I think they're determined to not let it happen again. So when you guys go to Evansville, and I said uh, when, not if, when you go to Evansville for the Elite Eight coming up a week from Tuesday, I would assume obviously for that um, that you would bus down, regardless of the bus carrier, it's a Greyhound bus, right? <laughs> right? You know, it should be. You know, we're, we're proud uh, uh, proud partners with the Free Enterprise, Free Enterprise Bus Company, but mm. you know, you would, you would think it would be the Greyhound. You know, that would make sense. <laughs> Well, a nice sympathy laugh from Coach Casaro there to end things. Paul, it's been a hell of a run. I know your attention obviously squarely on tomorrow at 5 o'clock, and hopefully if people are looking for something to do, whether it's tomorrow, Sunday night, potentially Tuesday night, they check out Nickerson Hall to watch your bunch. So thanks for the time this season. Hopefully we talk to you again and keeping this magic alive all the way to Evansville. You, you too, guys. Have a great weekend. That's Paul Casaro right there. Orange Blood IPA. For him, that would be the beer of choice if they're able to make it to Evansville. So we haven't had the mid-major flavor on the men's side here locally, but UND's provided 
um, some pretty good basketball on the south side this it's been year. It's been a great year, and they're getting a lot of attention, which is great. People are talking about them, uh, including us, which happy to do so because uh, good brand of basketball, a lot of local guys, and they've done well. All right, Jake, Sunday Big Ten Tournament, Purdue-Indiana, third time. Will we get either of them, none of them? What do you think? It's a really good question. I, one, I'm going to make the finals, right? Last year, you only had one of the double-bye teams make the semifinals. Now, I can't tell with your writing up there, Mark, after your PBR, what time we're out. Is that zero or ten? That's a ten, my friend. Uh, Mark looks amazing. You wouldn't be able to tell to who had the beer today and who didn't. I, well, the mic was off for Paul Casaro there late. It was a little shoddy. I started hitting show. my groove. I've got 100 text messages to get through. I mean, oh, come on. Geez. Cut me yeah. some slack. Everybody have a great weekend. If you missed it, loaded show today. Obviously, Monday, a lot to go through bracket-wise and the NFL's version of March Madness with free agency beginning. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll talk to you Monday.